Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Prods.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. Joining today, we have Nico. Yo. Birdie could unfortunately be joining us this week because he is currently knee deep in Hurricane Harvey. That sucks. Yeah. So our, our prayers go out to him. Yeah, to him and everybody Godspeed. else affected by the tropical storm, fucking shit storm that is happening down there in the south. They always get hit by quite quite a lot of shit down there. Oh yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's what happens. One when, thing after another. It's what happens when you're in a fairly humid climate next to the ocean. Yeah, I guess that does tend to happen. Yeah, the Gulf of Mexico will fuck you up. But yeah, in all seriousness, yeah, that really sucks, and uh, hopefully everything's okay with uh, with him. Yeah, so anyway, uh, if I sound a bit different for this uh, episode, I do apologize. I'm working on on building like a new, more compact uh, mic setup for this thing. Uh, still using the same mic and everything, it's just I am now using a desktop mic stand, and because of that, my current pop filter doesn't work, so I have the mic a bit off to the side and kind of pointed at like, my, at, like, the side of my face instead of directly on, because otherwise things get really breathy and blown out. And plosives happen a lot more frequently. So I'm that off. Came, th- that came through pretty good. That burp. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm off to the side a bit. Uh, just kind of talking past the mic instead of directly at it. I'll be getting a new pop filter in the next couple of days or so. So hopefully by then, uh, like hopefully too many podcasts won't be affected by this. But if they are, then I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get things working better. At the home office. Yeah. But in the meantime, Please let's talk about comic us. books. Yeah, sure. And speaking let's of getting things working, <laughs> what the fuck is going on with DC Me- with Dark Knight Metal or whatever the fuck it's called? So I know that when we, we briefly talked about the Forge, and I don't even know if we talked about the casting because we did not. I. Yeah, I was really not a fan of The Forge. I didn't know what the fuck that was. The Forge was terrible. I'm not even 100% sure if I read the casting. I I did, but again, it didn't really add much more context to this whole event. The the main takeaway, I think, from all this was that they are bringing back a bunch of characters that haven't been around for a while. Uh, You know, a Plastic Man, Hawkman, and Hawkman apparently is at the epicenter of, like, everything in the the DC universe and, like, this mysterious metal. Yeah, every single single issue that has the Dark Knight's tie on it is is narrated by Hawkman. Yeah. Or his journal, um, Carter, whatever his name is. Um, Carter Hall. Hall. Um, and and basically, Batman, of course, because he's Batman, and he is a character that we've we've seen, uh, like in like that again. Actually, we'll we'll talk about more about the Morrison tie-ins later. Um, the Morrison, you remember how he did that um thing when he was lost in time after the Final Crisis when uh, Dick was uh, part of uh was like the took the mantle of Batman. When he yeah, did Return that, of Bruce, um, yeah. Return of Bruce Wayne, where he was like jumping it, back and forth it. in time. And yep. he was like trying to solve his parents own murder. Right. So like things like that and other things over, like, I guess his long history, we've seen that we've, they, they're, they, they say that, you know, Batman's existed in different eras and all this kind of stuff. So the fact that he's somehow connected to this, like, I guess the Waynes in general somehow, and he's trying to hide from everybody that for, for whatever reason he's being sneaky, how he's going about this. And 
somehow Batman's tied into this whole metal thing as well. And, and, uh, and he's like, you know, doing the whole Batman thing where he's basically lying and, and sneaking around and fucking keeping a secret from everybody else this whole time. So that's, yeah. that's really the only thing that we were able to take away, I think, from those two, t- those two preludes or bookends to this event or whatever the hell it was, if you want to call it that. Um, it, they weren't great. No, they Anyways, were not. But yeah, I wouldn't. I will say that out of all three of the things that have come out so far, now that we've actually officially started this Dark Knight Metal, I liked this one the most out of the three, the prelude things so far. But if you want to get into it... I mean, I did too, but I didn't think of it as particularly good either way because it's still Dark Knight's Mm. Metal or whatever the fuck. What is this goddamn... What is this goddamn thing? Is it an imprint? Is it a storyline? Is it a fucking new line of books? What the fuck is this? Yeah, it's, it's, I know. That's the problem, I think, too, is because if you look at the back of these issues, there's a checklist of the event that's going to be taking up over, going to happen over the next six months. But it's not even actually, I think, trickling into many books. Like, they're going to have, like, a lot of one shots from people that have nothing to do with the actual. Like, it has stuff to do with the event, but it has nothing to do with the actual ongoing series. Yeah. Like, um, I think, like, the ongoing series have, like, one issue. Or, like, there's a few of them have one issue dedicated to this. Otherwise, it's it's going to launch a bunch of new series and as well as just a bunch of one-shots from different creative teams. Yeah, like I'm, looking, Dagger, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking yeah. at the checklist. Yeah. And so... So Dark Days, The Forge, and Dark Days, The Casting are the only ones from those, are the only books from those fucking issues. Yeah. Are the only issues from those books, sorry. Uh, then Dark Knight's Metal has six issues. Right. And then it'll be crossing over into Teen Titans, Nightwing, Suicide Squad, Green Arrow, The Flash, Justice League, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Uh, and then, like, five individual issues about different right. versions of Batman. Right. And the most notable out of those, other than the Batman one, I would say, is Hawkman Found, which is coming at the tail end of this whole Dark Knight's Metal event. And 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 the book that is Jeff Lemire is actually coming back to DC to write. Like, he's writing that one shot uh, they announced, I think, at San Diego Comic-Con. Which is a big surprise, just because of the fact that when he left DC, you know things were not good. I would say between him, yeah, and the no, company. no, but, you know, no, people who people who leave DC don't generally come back, right? But you know, Scott's the one that's kind of sp- spearheading probably this whole Dark Knights thing. So maybe that and the fact that maybe they're actually going to allow him to do what he wants now and have learned their lessons editorially a little bit. Let's hope, maybe. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe as, as, we talk- come out. as we've talked about before. Like, all of DC's editorial problems seem to have shifted over to Vertigo. Yeah. And lately, they have been doing a lot of good for the most part, I would say, at least in comparison to before, for now. So, you know, who knows? But the fact that he's coming back, I thought was big news. But, um, but yeah, and it's worth noting also, all those other titles that you mentioned, it's only, there's only one issue dedicated to this. Single issue. Yeah. That happens just in the middle of nothing. Yeah. So it is, it is weird. It's a weird rollout of, of, of of issues on this checklist for what reason we don't even truly understand yet. And that's the problem with this, I think, event for the most part. It's too epic. 
Scott Snyder always does these fucking... This is actually a story he's claimed that he's been planning ever since he's written Batman from the beginning. Jesus Christ. Like, that's how epic in scale, yeah. Because the one thing, the one connection you can make is the Joker who showed up in those other two prelude issues apparently died at the end of Scott Snyder's run if you ran it. Yeah, uh, but it turns out he didn't. He was actually in Batman's basement. Right, but the ninth, nth medal or whatever, or whatever this medal is, is the reason why he somehow survived. And and the other thing they're totally ignoring, which I don't even know if they're ever going to touch on this, is that fucking Jeff Johns three Jokers thing. Oh yeah, they, they brought that up, right? and then nothing has come of that right. at all. Nobody's even mentioned it again. Right, right. So if that is still uh, in like, play not, or not, not, not who even, knows? Not even like the fucking like Duke shit that they're doing. Right. Like you right. think you think that'd be the prime material because like the Duke shit that they're doing is essentially just hey any any idea that was like a loose strand from Batman or whatever just throw it at Duke he'll bandage somehow. But then they're also trying to develop Duke during this event, which they've been doing for a long fucking time. <laughs> and Batman, Batman keeps saying that he's some important puzzle piece to this whole fucking thing. And everybody else still, is doing it too. Like whenever, like right. whenever they come back to like the weird cabal of people watching this shit, like Mister Oz right. or whoever the fuck that is, right. Anyway, I, there's a lot going on. Yeah, and, and <laughs> as I, you can tell, there's. <laughs> and I do want to, and I do want to like read the titles of the six Batman one shots that are going to be sure. coming out of this. Sure. So there's Batman the Red Death, Batman the Murder Machine, Batman the Dawnbreaker, Batman the Drowned, Batman the Merciless, Batman the Devastator, Batman Lost, and the Batman Who Laughs. So those are eight books. So those are eight books right. about Batman. And of those eight, they only have logos for six of them because I think six of them are actual characters. That's what I was going to say. I think if I had a warrant to guess at this point, um, these are all they've they've released some art uh, in the advertisements that basically show that there's all these evil Batman type creatures that are basically like a Flash Batman, a Wonder Woman Batman. But they're like these under these like demons of some sort. I don't know. Yeah, it's not actual like Wonder Woman Batman or Flash Batman. It's hey, what if the Flash and Batman fucked a demon? Yeah. So which, you know, that's. <laughs> right i've seen that on DeviantArt before that shouldn't be promotional material oh, sure sure on DeviantArt, of course <laughs> yeah um, th- this is fucking this is fucking xx harley quinn 64 xx it's her original character please don't steal yeah so there's a lot going on just uh like <laughs> even there's so much going on that we don't even know as well as the things that they have already stated that are happening in this that it's like way too much even to cover <laughs> like in, in, in this episode. And it's, then it's, to confuse things further, the individual yeah. things like fucking Dark Knight Metal, Dark Knight's Metal starts in Medias Res. So we have no idea what even the fucking setup is for this shit. <laughs> so yeah, the book itself is it starts out with um, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, uh, Aquaman and Cyborg. In right. on Battle World, or like or like yeah, the War okay. World or whatever the fuck Mongols thing is called. Yeah, War. I think it's War. I think it's War World. Okay. Battle World's um, arcade. Okay, yeah. So War World. Uh, yeah. So they, they're fighting. Yeah. They, and Mongol has been nice enough to give every one of them suits of armor that somehow limit their powers. Even Batman, who has no powers, the armor actually helps him. <laughs> 
Like, the Flash has weird boots on that mean he can't run at regular speeds. Uh, Wonder Woman has some weird, like, snake breastplate that keeps her from using her magic powers or whatever. Superman is just a bitch. <laughs> and Toy Man, fucking hero, is there for reasons. And he built yeah. and he built these giant fuck off robots, and they're all individually color coded. And somehow Mongol, the fucking really intelligent warmonger, didn't notice this or think, "Hey, hero, the fuck you doing, bro?" Yeah. See, all these giant robots come out. Uh, Batman's like, "Hey, follow my lead." Hits a button in them, and then gets like swallowed by tentacles. But it turns out it's okay, because these are all mechs that combine together to make a Justice League Megazord. I actually really enjoyed that. <laughs> I will say, as much of a, like, a, a fan, like, you know what I mean? Like, fanfare type, like, move that was, where it's like, hey guys, like, everyone's gonna love this. You're gonna jizz all over the place for this fucking, <laughs> this fucking Megazord of, of superheroes coming together. I actually did quite enjoy it. It's like it was just stupid fun. Like, yeah. I mean, sure, if you're gonna re- really read into this and maybe how f- much of a clusterfuck some of the setup for this event or story, whatever it is, has been so far, sure, I can understand. You're like, what the hell is this? But for the fact that they just kind of did it, and just, if you just roll with it, I found it kind of fun. But I can understand people hating on it as well. But. Yeah, I also don't understand I, why Green Lantern is still in costume. Why didn't Mongol just take his ring? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point. But yeah, and then after what did you think of the Megazord? Did uh, you like the Megazord? It looked it looked all right. I think yeah. it, it, it was fine. But the th- the thing that bugged me is like, yes, we get the Megazord, and then and then we get hey, Dark Knight, Dark Knight's Metal, a DC Comics event, and then next thing you know, they're just they're just out. They're just free. No big fight, no anything. It's just, hey, we're gone. Oh, hey, there's a mountain in Gotham. The fuck? Challengers <laughs> the Unknown, what's that? Right. Yeah, because the Challengers are one of the things that they mentioned previously that are basically being brought back, as well as um, the Outsiders. Batman's the Outsiders are apparently somehow in, involved. In, uh, yeah, and fucking uh, Will Magnus and the Metal the- Men. Metal Man, yes. That's it. And, Again. And, and the Red Tornado I, is just in a tube somewhere. <laughs> right. Plastic Man. Again, like, the, these people, it seems like a a really shitty way to bring all these people together that for no rhyme or reason. <laughs> like, it was just like, we need to bring these people back so somehow involve them in this storyline. That's what it felt like. Yeah, and so... You know, like, and so, yeah. And so, yeah it tur- <laughs> and so it turns out... um. Kendra Saunders, you know, Hawkgirl, uh, she is a member of Blackhawk who came with the Challengers of the Unknowns Mountain to the middle of Gotham. Blackhawks, that's that they're coming back too. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it turns out that Batman is somehow the cause of all this nth metal bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> so they try to arrest him, at which point Red Tornado just goes nuts. And all of a sudden, Batman is riding a velociraptor. <laughs> basically so yeah you find out that he is basically the one that I guess somehow was responsible for setting Red Tornado off so he can sneak away 
apparent, apparently, to, he just he just does that because he, he can League. do that because yeah. Red Tornado is a known quantity in this universe. Oh wait. <laughs> yes, we fucking gets away, and then we get a little like Power Ranger shot of all the evil uh, bat people, and it's Doctor Fate reacting with like what these premonitions, and then I think. Iron from the like iron or some platinum or something. What the metal man? The shiny yeah. guy from the metal men, and yeah, then and yeah. the plastic man egg having an exclamation point because you know that's a good way to use plastic man. Just have him as egg with no dialogue or expression. <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, Metal Gear Solid. Uh. <laughs> it's really unfortunate because I just read like there was a there was like an image post like like a gallery post on Imgur of a plastic man bit in. Injustice that I haven't gotten to yet. That was fucking amazing. Mm. Yeah, pl- I like Plastic Man. Oh yeah, Plastic Man. I, li- is, I like Plastic Man is great, and he is super fucking great in in, in Injustice because he has a kid. Mm. Okay, and his kid's part of the Resistance I'm- movement, and he actually just straight walks up to Superman in his fucking palace, calls him a straight up dictator, and just leaves to go break in, to go break his son out of prison, <laughs> and nobody can stop I, him. I- I haven't read that much of Injustice to have seen where he kind of comes in, like any of that stuff. But Injustice is really good. I, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I, I, I mean, I've read some of it. And I've liked it, and I, for sure, you know, Tom Taylor's back on the book now with Injustice too. Yeah. Um, but the the part that my favorite Plastic Man was um, the Joe Kelly wrote JLA after Mark Wade and and uh, Grant Morrison back yeah. in the day. And I don't know. That's that runs not as um, widely praised as much because obviously Morrison started that book, and then Wade followed him and did the the whole um, what's that one that story called with Batman? It's got the secrets on everybody. Um, uh, Tower, Tower of Battle. Battle. Yeah. Um, so then he kind of he followed up both of those people on that book, but uh, in Joe Kelly's run, Plastic Man was on the team, and he was one of he basically he let you know that he's like the most powerful person like on the team. Yeah. Like he, he really, he really, because you know, it's just the, he just really made, he pushed it home. Like, yeah, this guy is really fucking powerful and can be one of the most powerful people on this team. If you let him. Yeah. He's a near indestructible uh, really, shapeshifter. Yeah. Right. Which I loved. Like, I love that he, which is true. If you think about it, he should be, but they just, he never really got his props. Like, you know what I mean? But in that, he he really brought him to the forefront of that team during that run. I thought that was really good. But yeah. Anyways, I guess you you will probably want to get into the thing you said that pissed you off quite a bit if, <laughs> during this issue. <laughs> yes. So yeah. the multiversity map shows up. Yeah. Just like half in focus in a panel as Kendra Saunders is explaining the concept of the multiverse to the Justice League. Right. She then flips it over to the backside, which is apparently covered in pitch black paint or something, because like paper isn't printed like that. It's not. It's not like all right. So I'll, I'll print my fucking diagram on this side. And the backside is just pure black because apparently she might have had that custom made because apparently that is to illustrate that there is a dark universe, which we knew there was because for every evil happened. Right. So, so and the fact that you use the fucking multiversity map is why does why does that annoy you though so much? Because I actually I really like liked... multiversity. Same, 
Like multiversity well, was a, multiversity was a fantastic fucking thing, and having that intrinsically tied to this horse shit. As long as it's not like at this, like I, if they can just bring it up this one time and kind of move on from there, like other than the fact that that's where these things are probably going to be coming out of the the demons. I don't. Ha- it doesn't bother me as much, only because he gave a nod to something where. It was really something enjoyable. That's something Morrison kind of established, and it hasn't been forgotten about. Like I don't need I don't need it every single fucking issue of something in DC that I read from now on. Like, hey, guess what? Remember the multi like the multiversity or whatever. Like, but I like how he just at least kind of he he did bring it up. Like I I just it's so many times things are forgotten. Yeah, um, I get I get I that. that. It just it, it yeah. I don't know why, but it really bugs me that it's in there. No, fair enough. That, that's, that's why I wanted to know where you're coming from with it, because me, it, 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 at the same time as I thought it was clever that they just fucking flipped the map, I also thought that was incredibly stupid. Because it seems simple, but it seemed like something so simple that no one maybe has tapped into or thought of, and the fact that he actually brought it back into play for this I thought was clever. But at the same time, kind of stupid. Like, I, that's why I understand. Like, I have mixed feelings on the fact that he fucking just, like, hey, guess what? Flip the map. This is the Dark Multiverse. That part was kind of dumb. But I like that he at least gave, acknowledged the multiversity event in this. I did like it, but... And then, know, for just, some fucking reason, Sandman shows up. Yeah. That's the big... What the fuck? Yeah. Which means that, um, for the second time, at least that I can remember in existence... Uh, he has now showed up in the main DCU universe from like outside of Vertigo because yeah. he also showed up in the GLA run, uh, Grant Morrison's GLA run. Yeah. But that wasn't this version. Yeah, and when I say I and when think. I say Sandman, I mean Neil Gaiman's Dream. The Sandman, Dream of the Eternals, yeah. not the Dream. fucking weird dude Dream. with the gas and, mask. Yeah, the endless. Yeah, Dream of the Endless. Yeah, okay, so sorry, was, endless, not not Eternals. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck he has to do with this. See, this is the thing. And why the and, fuck does he yeah, look like that? Why is he wearing some weird Court of Owls bullshit? Um, you, did you ever read Sandman? Uh, a bit. Okay, so at the end of the series, the reason he looks like this is a little bit explained without getting into it too much. Like, oh, go ahead and he, get the fuck into it. He becomes, and I believe this is the same version that may have showed up in the JLA by Grant Morrison too, if I'm not mistaken, but I think he transforms into another, like he's still Dream of the Endless, but this is like another form of his. I don't even, I can't even really explain it all, to be honest. But so why the weird owl one- motif on the shoulder pads? I did not see that. But like, 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 I'm, like, I'm looking at it now, and yeah, like, like the robe itself and like the belt and stuff. It almost looks like it has some weird like scarab attachments to it. Mm, yeah, no, I didn't notice that. No, and, you got but, a point. But then, but then look, you think then he's going to tie it into Court of the Owls? <laughs> but yeah, but then look at the fucking uh, shoulder pads, specifically the weird swirly bits on it. They look like they look like their stylized version of owl eyes. Yeah, they look, no, they look like wrong. talon goggles. It, they do. But this white suit is what I was referring to, not the design, because the design that might be the case. You might be right, and that would be horseshit if they tied into Court of the Owls. Somehow. Oh yeah, it turns out Dream but, of the Endless is actually some other guy who leads the Court of Owls that you've never heard of until the end of this <laughs> issue. <laughs> right? That would be kind of fucked up. Um, again, though, I like that he. They just wrote the masks like he, it was me all along, Austin. <laughs> 
Anyways, Dream normally of the Endless was in a black suit that many people know him for, like that black shroud, the very gothic. Yeah, the robe. Right. This is at the end of the the series. The thing I'm assuming Neil Gaiman wears around his house. (laughs) With his hair all fucking, yeah, Tim (laughs) Burton-ish. Yeah. Um, No, this- He's not pretentious about like Tim Burton. Like Tim Burton would be flipping that thing around and have like fans set up so it's always blowing in the breeze. Neil Gaiman, very chill about it. Like like he's- he wears this, and it does feel a bit like ostentatious and kind of gothic, weird shit, like whatever about it. But he owns it. It, it is him, and he it works. Sure. Yeah, he's an auteur, so <laughs> yeah, as opposed to Tim Burton, who is who is an auteur, a hack. there's auteur and auteur. <laughs> The guys, the guys who try to have a very significant vision, but they just come off as yeah. like really dumb assholes. And the guys who do have a very distinct vision and like a lot of depth to them, but aren't really up in your face about it, right? And aren't, aren't just taking old ideas and reimagining them. And I'm doing quotations right now. Yeah, I can hear them. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So whatever this version of Dream was. Again, it's been a long time since I've read that series, but he became this version at the end of the series, I remember, I recall, instead of the black-robed one. So, And then, I believe this is also the one that showed up in the JLA with Morrison, if I'm not mistaken, because I think that's the last time that we actually seen Sandman show up. I think it was in the JLA by Morrison that he showed up in the DC universe. But again, this kind of, this kind of came out of nowhere. It actually did not get spoiled by the internet for me like it did so many other people. Luckily, I read it. Yeah, it's surprising. Yeah. And here's the thing. I actually also liked this because I did not see this fucking coming. I, does it make sense? Not necessarily. <laughs> we haven't, we haven't really, ex- they haven't really explained what he, what, like what his part is in this event yet. But I will, I will say, I read so many fucking comics and so much th- things get spoiled and so many things I see coming from a mile away. I did not see this coming. Whether or not it's a good thing, well, we've yet to see. Yeah, I mean, like, it is genuinely yeah. surprising and right. more surprising to the fact that uh, DC had a fairly large thing like this that they didn't immediately spoil in their fucking, like, hype for this thing. Like, it was this and the fucking, uh, and, like, the Watchmen connections. Right. It's really weird. They're bringing yeah. in all of their outside shit that is much better than anything they've done in their main universe. And just and saying, the way hey, they're all attached, been... so, like, fuck you. Yeah. Like, yeah, but the way that they've been doing it, though, I haven't hated. I Like, I've, been, I've, I've enjoyed their restraint and how long it's been taking them to get to this Watchmen thing. Like, I, I, will, I will say that. Like, whether or not it's going to be good, I don't know, but... So far, so good. Like, the button stuff was this good. Is, th- I no, thought- no th- this, this this makes even less sense when you consider the fact that the button just happened. Yeah, that is true. The button happened a couple months ago, and then they started doing the lead-up to this shit in order to, like, undercut immediately all of the, any, any of the fucking hype momentum that they had going forward for any of the Watchmen shit they're doing. Yeah, it's like, that hey, is it's true. like hey, we had all this Watchmen shit happening, and fucking Doctor Manhattan's gonna be showing up, and he's what is connected to this universe? Oh my god, you'll fucking find out! But before then, <laughs> boom, Dark Universe, boom, Dream of the Endless, boom, motherfuckers, Scott Snyder, all up in your shit. <laughs> and in October, or is it November? November. Jeff John's the Doomsday is writing Clock is Doomsday fucking ticking. So they will have two events now going on at some oh point. Oh my god! Next year, yeah. So I guess they are kind of slapping us with everything at the same time. All of a sudden. 
But at least they waited like a year and a half almost. Like, it's the Marvel did. problem to like a ridiculous extent. Like like, Mar- like Marvel's whole, Marvel's whole thing is like they have so many events going in going like in tandem that they end up like overlapping each other and like immediately killing any hype for any event going forward, even the really stupid ones. And this is they began hype for one event and then started hyping another event, began that event, and then in the middle of it interrupted it with a different event. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. That's that is basically what is happening. Yeah. It's fractal events. <laughs> it's events inside of I events. Did... It's like an event turducken. <laughs> I've enjoyed this rollout though way more than anything Marvel's done in recent times. Which is why them say Marvel saying that we're not going to be doing events for a year or two or whatever the fuck they said. If that is even true, they're not doing. They're not going to be doing I events think, for six months. Yeah, I don't know. Which hey, when they said I, that, that's probably six months ago because Venomverse is happening. Right, and that's idiotic. <laughs> that's a thing. I did enjoy seeing Capullo back on with Scott Snyder though. After being gone for a while, I did like seeing. Yeah, I mean, it was nice seeing his art again. Yeah, he had some really good moments and also some shitty moments in this, I will say, though. Some of these things, some of these pages and panels didn't look 100% great Capullo, but a lot of it was. A lot of it was really good Capullo, in my opinion, and there was some fun moments, as, like, I talked about. I did enjoy the map. I did like the cliffhanger. Yeah, There actually, is some good in this. Yeah, and actually, I, um, I, just with that last panel with, uh, last page with a dream in it. Uh, actually, did actually did Google search for like Dream of the Endless White and got essentially that face. Okay, like even even with like the same twinkle in one eye, right? So that is a neat touch from Capullo. It actually is a really good looking page from Capullo. Like that that doesn't even really much look like Capullo. That that dream. I don't know. That's that is a really good looking a dream of the endless future. Like to the yeah, point like, where, I, like, uh, it looks like a very stylized Capullo. Yeah, like, like, like it I, is. Like it, I can, I can, I can very much see Capullo in it. Like especially around the mouth. Sure. Yeah, like and the, even the, in the, the robe, the, the, the very thin upper lip. Yeah, but yeah, it it is very much just like this is really good Capullo. It is it is still him, yeah. but it is calling back to like previous artists before him and doing a very good job of it. Yeah, yeah. So props to Capullo. I think he did a great job. Uh, you know, even so, though, I I think like and Capullo knows when to pull this punch. You know what I mean? Like he he knew some of the things leading up to this. Like remember, I just said like some of these pages, it wasn't great. It looked a little rushed in spots. Yeah. But then when he knew this was going to be the final page, he fucking knocked this one out of the park. You know what I mean? Like he's like, wow, this is going to be a great page. I'm gonna draw the shit out of this page and fucking you know leave us on that note. Right? Oh yeah. Speaking so, speaking of the fucking. Rush jobs that fucking Power Rangers page. The one where they're showing all their faces separately, yeah. or no, 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 the one where it is, uh, fucking Doctor Fate's the head. Sword? Yeah, doc, no, Doctor oh. Fate's head, the Metal Man head, and the Plastic Man egg in the middle of that, like just surrounding a circle <laughs> with the fucking silhouettes right. of the demons. That is just yeah. that is some fucking <laughs> and like none. Of, it is really interesting to me because he chose Doctor Fate. Who doesn't emote? <laughs> right. Plastic man who is an egg and thus can't emote, and then the one person who has a face is just neutral mask. <laughs> That's a good point. I love me some Doctor Fate too, though. I'm glad to see him as well. That's the thing. Like they, they, 
there is a lot of I, I I'm enjoying certain aspects of this so far, at least with this Dark Knight's metal issue. The other stuff I didn't love leading up into this, but uh, you know, it's nice to have Capullo back with Snyder. It is a really fucking epic scale story, which Snyder's not great at usually ending, but I will give him this. He usually always bursts on the scene with a bunch of interesting ideas. And he is straight up writing some superhero type stuff in this so far, which from Snyder we're not too used to seeing because even his batman run was you know a lot of horror a lot of mixed elements i would say at times but not very straight up superhero comics this yeah this, this feels is, the, the, you know, yeah, like, this is more like giant universe shit yeah so you know he's flexing at least different muscles like i gotta give him credit for that as well like i definitely appreciate he's trying to bring something different to the table maybe we haven't seen from snyder but it's de- it definitely still is everything's connected in a way and this story's so epic and I-, I don't love that. I don't love that part of Scott Snyder, how he always has to make every fucking story so huge and yeah. grand and epic in scale. Which and something, usually and something else li- that I just noticed that is really bugging me now. Sure. At the beginning, why does Aquaman just have a stick? Hold on. I'm trying to like, like, like they all have some kind of medieval ish oh. <laughs> weapons. Like, like Roman has like her sword. Uh, Superman has some yeah. kind of club thing. Batman has an axe. Uh, <laughs> the Flash is a flail, and and Aquaman literally has a pointy stick. I don't, I don't mean a spear. I mean a, no, stick, it's a stick that is pointy. It's like a it's like a branch that you ripped off a tree. <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah, what like that what? Is. What is it? Know. Because fucking water feeds plants. I mean, they did say that his trident is made out of this mysterious metal as well but i I don't know if that has yeah but why not give him a regular trident i don't know oh did you speaking of aquaman did you catch when they made the nod towards the hook hand aquaman in this though there was a there was a line somewhere in this where they referenced the fact that aquaman uh did have a uh, a hook at some point in the past and like the little editor's note i think it was in this issue said see the 90s (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i thought that was a nice touch because like what i thought that was one of those things that have been wiped out since they've the, the reboot of new 52 and rebirth and all this shit where i didn't think that was still like a thing but the fact that he, they referenced it i thought was pretty fun yeah. i think it was in this issue uh, it's in I, one of these if it, I, I'm, I'm looking if, at, i'm looking over this issue again i can't see any editor's notes saying see the 90s if it wasn't this then it was that last that casting one they, they did mention at some point uh oh, yeah i don't doubt it yeah, that he had a hook hand. It was in one of these metal books, so I thought that was pretty fun. Oh yeah, here it is. It's on the page where um, I don't know what page. Batman's going into this thing's mouth, and he's screaming, "No!" This is after he kind of tells everybody not to stop fighting these things, and uh, and the Flash says, uh, "Either we help him, or he's going to need your old harpoon hand." We okay, have to yeah. move now. I missed that. I'm too slow. Yeah, I'm too slow with these boots. I'll cover you. And then, like, it says, see the 90s. In it. I, th- I, thought, I thought that was a nice little touch. I was like, okay, See the 90s cool. from Eddie and Tay. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, like, you're you're right. I'm, I, I, I agree with you that there is a lot of shittiness to this as well so far. But I, I did enjoy it for the most part, as you can tell from what I'm saying. But... I, there's certain elements about it. I'm not hating it. I like it quite a bit. Okay. Yeah. And you're kind of what lukewarm on it. Sounds oh, like super lukewarm. So I or, or like, yeah, like yeah. lukewarm or just like straight do not like. But to the point though, we're not interested in seeing where it's going though. 
Or are you going to continue reading? I'm going to continue reading it because I kind of have to. Yeah. Like, th- this, yeah. This, no, seems I, be, this seems to be one of the few DC events that will actually have some effect on the status quo for about a month and a half. But you're not the least bit curious? Like, are you not... Which one are you looking more forward to? The, the, the play out of this or the Doomsday Clock? Ooh... Because I might even be looking more forward to the Doomsday Clock than this. This kind of came out of nowhere, and I don't know what the fuck this That's is. That's so tough. Because this, I really don't care about. Right. And the and Doomsday really Clock is about is. Doomsday. Is it about Doomsday, or is I, it I'm, about... I'm, pretty, like, I'm pretty sure, like, when they showed off, like, the Doomsday Clock art on, the like, the actual face of the Doomsday Clock, it had Superman symbol. So Superman plus any word Doomsday is... Yeah, is fuck but me. I know... I, I thought that was also the Watchmen thing, though. Oh no, it is. Event like it, right. it is. It is. It is a layered title. Oh, because I I really don't care about Doomsday either. The actual character Doomsday Doomsday has like negative interest for me. Yeah, no, same. I mean, I, he had his moment with the death of Superman. And that's about it for me. No, like, even even that was terrible. You know, at the time, I think it was it had a lot to. It was probably a lot of people enjoyed it. Oh right? no, oh no! Like at, at the time, at the time, it was a bit. It was a big thing because, like, Superman's sales were dwindling, and so even though this guy was, like, so embedded in, Lex- in, like, the fucking pop culture mindset that everybody knew him, nobody gave a fuck about him, so they killed him, and it was, like, the biggest event in comics that ended up, like, A, bringing about some of the worst Superman shit I've ever seen, B, removing any idea of actual threat in any of these books of, of actual death of a character. Like, like, yeah. Is, yeah, like in any DC book I read, if there's a Superman in a doomsday, death doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and C eventually making the bubble burst and killing the comics industry in the night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which it did. It did lead to that. No, you're right. It did. But I think that was like an act yeah, but, of desperation. But like, but like, at but at part, the time right? it was, yeah. at the time it was the beginning of that. Like it was like, people were like, oh my right. God, like co- people collect comics. What the fuck? I'm like, oh shit. This is a like actual thing that is a huge event. Oh yeah, that will that, like we have, talked that we talked about for decades to come. Yeah, I still have my issue from back then. My mom, my mom, even at that time, I think she had seen it on the news and knew that I read comics time to time, and she actually went out and got that issue for me because she had heard about it. That's yeah, how big that's, of a that's thing huge. it was. Yeah. That is fucking huge. It for was. A comic that is book. huge. Yeah, like not yeah, even, no, not even a comic was. book movie, a comic book itself. Yeah, that never gets talked yeah, about it, ever. Like the one time yeah. the comic books have been talked about on the news, in like, like the only time comics get talked about in the news anymore is if political type stuff. Yeah, is, is, if, is if like, like Fox sexist. Yeah, is if like somebody yeah. at Fox is like super pissed about them changing a character right. that they've never read before. Right. Like, oh my god, yeah. Thor's or, a chick and she's got fucking cans. What the fuck? Yeah. That that Wait, was Spider Man's dead and he's a black kid now. What Captain Captain America's a Nazi? Like that was the thing, <laughs> you know, the things like that. Yeah, like, Captain just... America's a Nazi and the guy they got to replace him is a fucking socialist. <laughs> right. Yeah. So Fox. Fuck Captain yeah. America. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just remembering. Remember when like the most controversial thing about Captain America was that he fought racists. <laughs> right. That was, that, a, was a that, thing. that was a thing. That was a thing yeah. that existed. And everyone has forgotten about it because of what they're doing now. Yeah. That is amazing. 
I remember even before Nick Spencer took the reins of Captain America, and I think it's just because of the character's name in itself <laughs> that's caused, you know, because it's America and all that, but remember, I don't know if you recall, there was the thing that Remender basically towards, before he left Marvel, he was writing Captain America, and I think it was even with um, Sam Wilson, they said something about some girl that he may have been dating or seeing or something in the, in the comic and somebody thought, thought she was underage and called Remender like a pedophile or something like that, I remember, and he basically freak the fuck out and like, <laughs> like, I like there was no th- yeah this was a thing this was a thing there was some sort of some sort of thing where they made they made somebody one of the characters seem young although her age was never mentioned but somebody took it upon themselves to basically read into this m- one slight moment in the captain america issue and basically call remender like all these all these things that made him like freak out and you know he eventually left marvel i don't know if that was the reason but it was it was something towards the end of his captain america run that pissed a lot of people off okay, yeah, I, I just, even i don't I just, looked, I just looked up rick remender pedophile and the first article is a thing from kinja that is when having opinions bring rape threats a captain america story <laughs> oh god i remember he said he he made a comment on twitter where basically said for some of the drown in hobo piss <laughs> that was yeah he was pissed off like the, the fact that he was targeted by these people for whatever reason for something he didn't even write okay yeah so ridiculous yeah so in Captain america 22 um apparently remender wrote a scene or something where sam wilson had drunk sex with a woman that a lot of readers believe to be under 14 years of uh, right. 14 years old right while it is actually that not was, while it is actually not the case because apparently the character was 23 <laughs> All right, back, everybody. Sorry about that. My internet went out. Yeah, so as we're talking about it, um, so, yeah, so what happened in Captain America 22, the thing Rick Remender was getting a bunch of flack about, and it was about Sam Nil- Sam Wilson sleeping with Jet. Right. Yeah, the daughter of Arnim Zola. Right, but... At that time, because I remember she was younger originally at the start of his run with Captain America, Steve Rogers, in that dimension, when she had actually met up with him years later and came into their world, she was much older at that time. So the fact that people just assumed that she was still a young girl, which was never something that he was set out to do or explained, like, I guess maybe that's on him. Like, but that's who's who's the think like that's something you need to explain. Why would he purposely put him having sex with an underage girl? <laughs> like, yeah, like at fourteen, no less. So I think that was just something people read into, and they didn't. They, I don't know. It was a whole thing. I recall, but I, I, I see. I didn't think. I thought I was crazy for a second, but thank you for looking it up because I'm like, I, I swear this was a thing. I remember him getting really pissed about. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, yeah, but yeah, we can. I guess move on from that but uh yeah that was definitely something that uh again oh, yeah. thanks there to was the inter- a, internet and there was a response from somebody yeah yeah um but uh okay so i believe this is from a tumblr user called wiener soldier at least that's the link this fucking uh, 
powder room article leads me to. Okay. <laughs> hey, yeah, this is somebody's response to this thing. Okay. I have been called a moron, a slut, an ugly bitch, a dumb cunt, a racist, and every other colorful, cruel, and sexist insult in the playbook. I've been threatened with rape, been told to shut up, and been told explicitly that my opinion doesn't matter. I've been accused of trying to ruin someone's life. I've been infantilized, condescended to, patted, patted on the head, and told my money doesn't matter. That I was hysterical and irrational. That I was making too much out of nothing. That I was a prude. I've had to answer the question, did you actually read the book more times than I can count? Every t- and every time the question's asked with a cruel, invisible sweetheart at the end. I've lost an incredible amount of respect for creators whose art and writing I enjoyed. Been sent unsolicited pictures of strangers' genitalias, i.e. dicks. A direct message on oh, Twitter. Wow. Received more than one offer to cure me, i.e. fix the fact that I am a queer. Oh, had my per- had my personal identifying information, including age, including name, age, location, and photograph, posted without my consent or knowledge as the butt of some post insinuating that I'm hysterical and that I have a vendetta. Tell me again that the glorification of an excusing of rape in comics doesn't feed rape culture in real life. Tell me again that it's fiction. Tell me fucking again. This was in response to the Rick Remender thing? Rick Remender thing, and I also believe um, Kieran Gillen uh, stepping up to defend him. So this person felt strongly that that is what occurred in the comic, and that she's not, because of things that have happened to her in her life, that that was a direct response to that? Is that, am I reading, am I getting that clear? I think think what this was, was, um, and I don't mean to falsely interpret, uh, if the person who wrote this is listening to this and i get anything wrong please let me know yeah well that's i'm just trying to understand too yeah so if if i'm reading it right um they read they read the comic and saw it as sexual assault they saw it as a person older person having having like having drunken sex with somebody of minor age which is a which is a crime that is an actual full-on that's a sex crime and this person who has had experience with like sexism stuff and like threats of sexual assault at them and like being condescended to and everything, having all this shit come up again, kind of triggered something in them. Right. I hope I'm reading that right. Yeah. That's, that's what I got from it, but I just, I just don't think like, that's terrible. The things that person said, if that's true, but it just, it doesn't warrant, like, I just don't think that I personally don't believe that that was his intentions with that scene. Cause I was reading the comic at that time and I just kind of read it, did not even pick up on it, moved on with my day. And then later on the internet kind of fucking piped up and, sl- and it was freaking out about this scene. Yeah. I just, I just didn't read into it that way. If someone did and they're offended, you know, I guess they have the right to be, but I just, I, I didn't think it was, that was the case. And I neither did remember say that it was. So, yeah, and apparently you know. neither did Karen Gillan, Ed Brubaker, or Mark Wade. Right. So, you know, it was it was it was implied that she did age from the time that you seen her originally in the comic to the time where she actually ended up in their world in, during his run because Ka- Steve Rogers did um, take care of her when she was a child in this dimension Z. That was his weird fucking. Uh, storyline that he did with Steve Rogers Captain America. Well, it, it, it wasn't Jet that he looked after; it was Ian. 
Jet. Oh jet, yeah, it was the. Yeah, that's right. She was the one that was Arden Zola's daughter. That's right. You're right. You're yeah, right. You're jet, right. Jet stayed with Zola and then right. came to the main universe. Right. After this, left but, Zola. Then, in the middle of all that, uh, Sam. Right. Was a dick to her and was like, "Hey, I don't trust you anymore because of dumb reasons." And then she went back to Zola and then disappeared into the fucking ether. But everybody did age during that time in that dimension. So did Ian. So did um, what's her name? Uh, Sharon Carter. Carter. Sharon Carter. Exactly. That's that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I think it was. It, it wasn't never explained, but I think it was just something he didn't bother explaining. Didn't think he had to, but then because he chose to have this scene between the two of them obviously people felt the way about it right so yeah you know uh but whatever i'm actually you know i actually want to read that again see yeah, i'm looking it up now just so what you thought that you think that it is the case or are you just you're I'm, just no. interested in seeing i'm actually kinda, oh. i'm actually kinda interested to see like what how it read yeah should I just like should should I just move on while you look into that or uh, yeah yeah go, to, yeah go ahead uh you yeah, of time yeah yeah, yeah. yeah you uh do your you, okay uh, so uh, my yeah. first pick yeah let's go on your chime first in pick. though if you find it okay uh yeah so uh Silver Surfer number thirteen okay uh I loved this series there's one more issue to go from what I've been hearing. Dan Slott's run is coming to an end with Mike Allred. Uh, I felt it was worth mentioning because I particularly really enjoyed this issue. And if we don't end up talking about the last issue, and I remember, I know you, you have also enjoyed this series and we've talked about it on the show a few times across its uh, ru- staggered run because it has rebooted more than once and and it's gone through events and it's gone through delays and and you know things have happened but we're on issue 13 i think of the second reboot of this book and um it's just been a wonderful run and i think that dan slot uh someone who have a lot of people including us on the podcast grew tired of during his spider-man run um i think he's pretty he stayed pretty true and on track to this storyline along with mike allred a fantastic artist in his own right uh and it's a very uh like heartwarming story touching and you know i i got to the end of this issue and i I didn't cry but i was darn near close to it because it was basically him and don greenwood on this planet that he took her to uh grew old together yeah and she turns around to him as she's laying in bed and as they talking about all the adventures they had uh they've got they went they got to a double page spread that had like Allred just killed and basically illustrated every single fucking character that has appeared in this series on a two-page, double-page, uh, sorry, du- on a double-page spread of of awesomeness. Just pure Mike Allred goodness, drawing every character that I think that's showed up during in the series. It's and they're and they're just you know recalling everything at the end of her life as an old woman, and you know she's dying, and and she's basically saying you know you know I wouldn't have changed a thing. I loved everything we did together, and you can kind of give up the act. And he kind of he looks old there for a moment because he's in his Norn Rad human skin, not silvered up, and uh, he kind of he's like, oh okay, he gives it up, and then he goes back to looking normal and young because he he doesn't age. He just was aging slowly with her as she aged to make her feel you know, more like, comfort with the fact that they were both growing old together. Yeah. Although the the truth of it was that she's going to eventually die because she's human and he's, you know, he's magic. 
Right. So, <laughs> I know. I know. I know it is like the Force cosmic, but it's fucking magic. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, like they went to this planet where basically, or I guess this time they 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 wrapped a not eternity, but uh, the Queen of Nevers. Yeah, one of these like a, these basically. She she showed up during the I think Secret Wars originally, and there was a storyline where he kind of went into this strange space and time adventure where she had a they played a part in it. Uh, this Queen of Nevers, and they messed up the timeline, and he almost didn't survive. And at his own risk, they try to do it again. And uh, now that in the previous issue, Don Greenwood's father died, and she was feeling you know pr- pretty down about that whole ordeal because she was not on earth at the time of his death. Another touching issue that they had previous to this. And, um, and yeah, and then they, they go back to it, to the planet where, um, what's his name? Uh, Galactus prior to him actually become Galactus is on the planet. And you learn about his whole past history before he actually became Galactus. And, and then she stops him because currently in the ultimate, he's the life bringer and not the destroyer anymore or, uh, the Eater of Worlds, or whatever the fuck you call them, you know, and so she allowed him to let this storyline play out and things happen the way they would happen, even though he had the chance of basically killing Galactus and, and saving everybody from that actually ever happening, but um, as well in this issue, they had that storyline, so yeah, and then at the end of this issue, she ends up passing away, but uh, he's going to take her home, back home to Earth, uh, you know, where I guess he feels that she belongs and, uh, and yeah, it's just, it's been great. It's been a great series and, uh, I, I will kudos to, to, uh, slot. I think it, this was great. And obviously Mike Allred is, has to do a huge part with that. Him and Laura Allred on colors. Uh, uh-huh. and yeah, and, and yeah, I guess you've read up, you read the newest issue as well, then man of this series. Like, I know uh, no, actually, it. I actually dropped off of silver surfer a while back. Oh, I'm not entirely you? sure why. Okay, I, 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 you should catch up because, like I said, next month is the last issue of this series. I think they've been saying, and and uh, I remember you recall saying you enjoyed it, and oh, yeah, uh, I did enjoy it. I just yeah. for whatever reason, like once they, there's, once they, yeah, re- a lot of comics. once they regained, once they like restarted the numbering again, and there was there was delays too. Like it did, like this issue, I think took like two months to come out. For instance, like Mike Allred's been doing other stuff. Like he's been on Doom Patrol, fill an issue here and there, I believe, and he was doing um, some stuff for DC. Uh, I forgot like, some other stuff for DC other than Doom Patrol. Uh, so yeah, he's been busy, but uh, but yeah, I think when it's all said and done, I just why I wanted to mention it. It has been a great one, a run. And, uh, you know, very human moments and actual, like, at the end of the day, this is a, a love story, this uh, series. Uh-huh. A lot of fun in between. A lot of fun in between all the all the shenanigans and adventures that these two have, like, gone, gone on um, has been fun, you know. Uh, but uh, in between, you know, at the end of it all, this was a love story between Silver Surfer and this uh, new character, Don Greenwood, that uh, Slot has uh, constructed. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm just, sur- I'm so surprised to see, get this side of him. And then have the fucking shitty Spider-Man stuff that he's just been pouring out <laughs> at this point, <laughs> which seems to be going nowhere. And, uh, you know, admittingly, I haven't read it in a while, but I, I just had enough. I had my fill at that point. And, and uh, I, I think that uh, if he focused more on doing other things like this Silver Surfer series, I think that a lot more people would appreciate his work. 
much more uh, because this was a success. Uh, yeah, like I said, he had the perfect artist for it. who has been the same artist throughout the whole run. And uh, yeah, so no, uh, Mike Allred, again, big, part, big, big part of why I love this book. So, yeah. Okay. And so, yeah. I, and so I read the issue. Okay. Uh, there is a line where she says on her 23rd birthday, her father gave her wine. Okay. And both of them are drinking. Right. Uh, it appears to not be a, at, at least when things begin. Consensual. Yeah, at, at least right? at, at least can, at least when things like begin getting like hot and heavy, uh, Sam has right. had one glass of wine. Okay. Uh, and yeah, just the one who initiates things. Yeah, I I don't I don't see it. I'm, and and she does say that she was twenty three when she first had wine. So you already know that she's of age. Yes, yes. She's yeah, younger. Yeah, yeah. She's Sam, younger than Sam Wilson. Yeah. Sam says one glass is enough for me, Jet. To which he responds, "Oh, come on, Falcon, live a little. I've tried this wine before. On my twenty third birthday, father gave me some." Yeah. So. Yeah. So they both like begin getting into it after a glass of wine, and then the next day, Sam wakes up and he is hungover as fuck, not really remembering the previous night. Which means things continue from there, and Jet is totally fine. I mean, people have drunken sex. I mean, like, it's <laughs> it happens. Yeah, like, and it, but, yeah it, and it wasn't like either of them were, like, super plastered before things started going that way. Like, they were both, they, yeah. they were both, like, fully cognitive when things began. Yeah. So... I didn't see it. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, and I'm glad you just read it for yourself, and you have you can have your own opinion. But I I didn't personally think it was an issue. But yeah, I know. Like, I, like hey, everybody's t- entitled to their fucking opinions. And sure, sure. I didn't see it. Some people did. It's. But you never heard about that when it happened. Okay, I'm surprised. I, did not. I actually I did not. Uh, okay. Yeah, I didn't really follow any of the sites that would cover stuff like this, and any like the news sites that I do follow. Nothing really came up in my, my news feeds about it that I remember. Right. I think mine was just because of Twitter because I followed Remender on Twitter at the time and he <sighs> tweeted something about it or retweeted something about it. Some That's that's where I got the news was Twitter and basically him replying to somebody for them to drown in hobo piss, which I think was – I believe he had an issue – Marvel – someone issued a statement I think about it because it was – it, that was that wasn't not called for. I believe that was one of his responses to somebody regarding all this, and and yeah, that was pretty brutal when he said that. <laughs> I, I won't I won't defend him saying that. Yeah, that was, <laughs> but uh, the fact that he got you know attacked for this, uh, at least coming from him, I could understand why he'd be upset about it. Yeah, and I, just because yeah, I would be too. Right? Yeah, so. but like that doesn't. No, make things better. No, <laughs> it doesn't make things better. And I also just kind of want to say, like, hey, the fact that people who were like, hey, this is kind of rape, got death threats and also rape threats again because this is also really fucking terrible. No, don't. No, no, that that is terrible. Yeah. Don't. Just Jesus Christ. Yeah. The fact that it has to be said at all is. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, here it is. Uh, I just had to Google that, actually. <laughs> just to put an end to this, uh, Rick Remender urges naysayers to drown in hobo piss. Oh, yeah, that's a terrible response to all of this. 
death by hobo piss is too kind of a punishment for those who actually cite and reference. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. So I mixed it up. So this is on another controversy that he had. Oh, goody. <laughs> this was the, him using the M word reference in Uncanny Avengers when he was trying to, um, he, he basically was a mutant thing where somebody actually used the term, I think, using the M word in a, and yeah, he was very criticized for that as Muty? well. Because, uh, yeah, I think, I think it was just basically, they were, I think it was almost like a, like an N word reference, but they were trying to use it compared to mutants, which that one I'm not even too clear on what the, what happened with that whole thing. But yeah, <laughs> he did tell somebody to drown in Hobo Piss, though. That was also a thing. Very controversial. I can see why he left Marvel. At this yeah, time. <laughs> I can, and I can see why people have a hate on for him. That sure. is, I think, I think he's an excellent writer. I like. Yeah, he's an stuff, excellent writer, but, I, but that is not an appropriate response to anything. No, no, no. <laughs> I yeah, I think that was at the time. I think either him or Marvel had to issue some sort of statement after that happened, and uh, and yeah. So no, that wasn't cool that he said that. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. I know we went wildly off topic because we were talking about Dark Knight Metal and all that came up. It's, it's anyways, on. It's it's, it's yeah. It's comic books, it, was, dude. it was a good conversation. It was a good conversation, though. Yeah, I did. Uh, you know. So, anyways. <laughs> oh shit! I just actually realized something. There was a book I wanted to talk about, but I, but I picked two other books that I also want to talk about, and fuck. Okay, um, how about you switch out one of the ones I picked that you don't feel like talking about then and talk about it. I'm fine with that. Okay, so instead of Green Arrow, let's talk about Hi-Fi Fight Club. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I don't know what that is, so go for neither it. Neither did I. Um, I picked it up. It is, I believe, a new image book. Let me just double-check that. Oh, hmm. uh, no, actually, it's from oh. Boom. Okay, cool. Yeah, the Boombox cool. imprint. Okay, yep. And That's it, the all age all age one, right? I believe. Yeah, and it is all yeah. including, and it's all like created by like the people who do the creative stuff on it. I never heard of any of them. Yes, yeah, so it was created, okay. created and written by Carly. I'm going to pronounce most of your names wrong, and I apologize for that. Uh, Carly Usdin, U S D I N. Hmm. Uh, pencils by Nina Vaqueva. Okay. Yeah, those are hard names. Yeah, and then um and then it also has um Irene Flores, Rebecca Nulty, and Jim and Jim Campbell. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't know any of those people. Yeah, and when I started reading it, I was not hundred percent sure what it was, because it takes place in nineteen ninety eight in New Jersey. Okay. And it is about a young girl, uh she's just turning seventeen, and she is she works at a record store. And for the first, like, 90% of this issue is, it appears to be like some coming-of-age slice-of-life thing, and oh, I like that. maybe you had a person, like, discovering their sexuality, because the way they talk about, like, the way, um, so Chris, the way she, she talks about uh, one of the other characters, uh, Maggie, a girl from, a girl who also works at the store that she works at. Uh, whenever she talks to her, she always has like a very light blush across her face at all times. Uh, at one point, while talking about her, like in her um, in her like internal monologue, she says "like like." Hmm. 
So it felt like it was like going to be a story about her discovering her sexuality while working in a record store. Okay. W- while working in a record store that is um, staffed entirely with women. Okay. And yeah, for the most part, it was that. Like it was just like this fun, well drawn, um, as like decent personality to it. Uh, a bit overwritten at times, but decently written, mm. decently written enough, and like overwritten preachy or just too much dialogue. Uh, over like, a bit too much dialogue at points. Like like there there are points where like the panel is like half taken up by text. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. And just like the maybe cri- because because they're a new writer though, like new yeah maybe writer yeah, which usually yeah yeah, and so they and so, yeah, as that for most of it, and then. We get to the end, and a band of the playing at the store. Uh, th- one of their like main people is missing, mm-hmm. and so they take Chris down into the their secret room behind the behind a jukebox, and they reveal they're a fight club for teenage girl vigilantes. <laughs> and the book oh, ends. The fight club name. That's an interesting twist. Yeah, it comes. I like a lot of the elements. Of, it comes the fuck out of nowhere and just fucking like right. drops a bomb in the middle of this otherwise really kind of like nice, quirky, like slice life story. I like that. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of like slice life stories and the fact that there's a twist at the end where you're saying that it's also a fight club <laughs> kind of sounds pretty awesome. I actually look at the art right now. I like the uh, clean style as well. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, that's a. It reminds me of uh, Chris uh, Anka, that guy that's going to be doing the Runaways book, kind of in a way. Yeah, a little bit. It's a bit more. It's a bit more like cartoony than uh, Anka style, but I get where you're coming from with it. Yeah, like the the uh, Nina Nina Vakueva. I'm sorry again if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. I, you're a really good artist. Yeah, no, this looks good. Yeah, she does, she does really good with like um, like like some sometimes the backgrounds are a bit just like monochromatic not really part of anything but when there are like actual backgrounds there is a decent amount of detail in them they manage to feel like real places the characters themselves they all they all feel like like they go through they go through descriptions of each of the characters and the design of them feels like that description it actually feels like they are it, they're designed appropriately and they have personality to them when they're like moving around and doing stuff even like them they're in just like three panel like four panels of like our other main characters kind of standing there and there's a decent amount of personality about each of those characters in those individual panels. Mm-hmm. And it all I, works. Again, so it looks like again, like that fucking a, ending thing just fucking comes the fuck out of nowhere. Right. It's, I mean, I hope that's, doesn't take over the main focus of the second issue, and I, although I haven't read it, but by the sounds of it, obviously more of like the slice of life aspect of this, I think, would be more interesting to me. Although the twist of it also being a Fight Club is cool, like it is neat, but I just wouldn't want it to be the main focus of the entire series. Yeah, from now, but uh, it seems like it says here it's a four issue miniseries, and that Carly Uzdin is a filmmaker oh. apparently. Uh, Never heard of her yeah. before, but hey. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, so high five, high like, club. I, yeah, I kind of like the idea of like you saying too. Um, it's like in a record store. That's a cool setting. Yeah, like nineteen ninety eight uh, record store. Uh, like, uh, Chris starts out the issue running to work with her Walkman CD player. Mm. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is all right. I might have to check this out. I might have to check this out. This sounds pretty good. Yeah, if you, if you get a chance, to, uh, do check it out. It's a it's an interesting little book from some talent I never heard of before, and it'll make you to see where it goes from here. Yeah. From boom. Nice. Yeah. All right, then. All so, right. your uh, next book as I have to go to the bathroom. Okay, I could. I'll start talking about it. Um, okay, so uh, I'm going to talk about God Country. It should, the trade paperback came out uh, about, I think, two or three weeks ago now. This was a series that uh, got a lot of buzz when it was coming out. It was a series from Image, and it was probably, I would say, the most well-received series to date that uh, Donnie Cates, who has now been signed on by Marvel as an exclusive and is, you know, getting attached to a lot of their bigger titles and has been making quite a name for himself. And uh, I would say in comparison uh, in terms of like the success that Tom King has found over the last couple of years, like this seems like Donnie Cates is now the new hotness, so to speak. Um, a lot of people are, you know, he's a guy that kind of came from indie roots and now is, uh, now it's, you know, signed to Marvel. So, uh, he's an interesting new voice, hopefully for them as well. Uh, but goddamn, this uh, this God Country book, uh, for all the good praise and hype that I had heard about this book when it was coming out, but at the time, uh, I just hadn't read much by Kate's, and I was like, yeah, you know, it was one of those books. If I heard the good things, I'd pick up the trade. I picked up the trade. I read it in one sitting. Couldn't stop. Uh, really, 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 really fucking good book. Okay. It, it deserved all the praise that it received. Did you end up reading this at all? God country. Uh, I have not. I, Oh, you, you need to check this out, man. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, I was, I was searching up like Donny Kate stuff after I started like reading and discovering that I was reading a bunch of his books. Right. And it was described as, uh, and I saw it described as Southern bastards meets American gods. Yeah. So it's basically Donny Cates is from Texas. I think I've heard now. I've, 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 um, I've read somewhere now. Um, I believe that's where he's from. Uh, so he, and you know, the fact that he's written that other book, the redneck one, I think is him. Right. And that's also in this, like, I think Texas or the South or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's based this, that there is definitely, this is in the South, this book, there is definitely a Southern feel to this. Uh, it's, it's basically about a family in Texas that owns like a ranch or a farm and they're, they're, uh, they're, um, his, his, uh, father, the guy, uh, who's got the family there, his father basically has, uh, um, Alzheimer's, which is something that scares the fuck out of me. Um, and he's basically been out of the picture. I'm sure like at the hospital, like he, he, he hasn't been well and, He's been affected by this and he all of a sudden he crashes on the ground with a fucking sword that is twice the size of him. (laughs) That's that's enchanted and can talk and actually like it has all these other I don't want to spoil too much about the book um, because you I want you to check it out. And also as well as the listeners, uh, I just you learn more about the sword as you go on and you you find out that like what his the connection is basically the sword chooses who wields the sword and as he is holds the sword he actually is able to regain his memory he has no health issues he's healthy he remains healthy but if he loses the sword 
all that goes away and he becomes back to his normal self and therefore he's trying to keep this thing going that him this relationship that him and the sword have although it's not really just up to him because obviously the fact that this sword has chosen him it also has its own origins and it felt it feels very as guardian in that sense because the second half of the book you learn everything about the sword you learn everything about the history you learn everything about the other characters that are after this and he gets basically caught up in the middle of a war for the people trying to get this sword back from him and them not understanding why he's the one who is worthy enough to have wielded the sword almost like a Mjolnir or whatever the hell you call that hammer Thor's. Mjolnir? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> And it becomes this like high fantasy there for a second. (laughs) Uh, This full um, on high fantasy type story, but it's really fun. And there's a really great family aspect to the story as well towards the end. Like, like, and it has a lot of heart and it ends like beautifully, like one of the best endings. It's a six, six issue miniseries. I think in this one trade paperback, um, it, it was just honestly one of the best books that I've read in a while. Like it really stands out, and uh, and the art, I didn't love it at first. I didn't hate it, but I just thought it was okay. But by the end of it, um, I I really grow to like this um this artist. Uh, sorry, his name is uh, Jeff Shaw, and he actually worked on the other one of the only other books I had read by Donny Cates at this time. I believe he worked on the Paybacks, which I think you talked about too on this show, didn't didn't you, Dead Man? That was the one. I don't about think the so. I, I never. Okay, I, I, maybe I don't think I ever read the Paybacks. Maybe maybe it was Birdie then. Maybe Birdie, like, uh, else, like like the only like yeah. really notable Donny Cates thing I read before this new rush of Donny Cates books was Buzzkill. Yeah, see, I haven't read that, but I know what it's about. Like he's like a, a drug addict superhero or something, right? Yeah, like, he, he, he gets his powers drugs. from he gets his powers from being right. on drugs. Yeah, I read um, I read the paybacks and I read uh, Ghost Fleet. I think it was called. That's that that book from Dark Horse. Um, yeah, but this is this is it deserves all the praise this book received. There was actually a little nod and a funny joke. Uh, with the sword from God Country in, I think, one of the newest issues of I Hate Fairyland, which if you had read God Country, you may have got the reference because she actually is holding the sword in one of the scenes <laughs> uh, in the book. Um, yeah, just great, great stuff. Um, and it's just one volume. I mean, this is the whole story in this trade paperback, whether or not he can return to, to this world of these characters. I'm not sure the way it ended, but I definitely suggest going out and picking this up and supporting this new interesting voice in comics oh. and creator. Jeff Shaw uh, was also the illustrator on Buzzkill. Oh, okay. There you go. I think he also worked on the paybacks with them, if I'm not mistaken. But um, it... Yes, he was. Yes, he did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it looks great. Yeah, so it looks it, like it, it looks... Dark Horse, like fucking Donny Cates and or, or at least for like for a few books, Johnny Case and Jeff Shaw fucking bringing it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and I'm sure he's gotten even better now in this book compared to those two earlier projects that he did. Because, uh, yeah, there's some really like again, I it's one of those things where not everything I love looking at, but the more I got used to his style and the the 
the moments that really counted, like the emotional beats in this book, he nailed. Yeah. So to the point where I was, I'm a big fan of his work now, and I look forward to. Uh, I think he's going to be working, if I'm not mistaken. I think he's working with Donny Cates on uh, on Thanos taking over for Jeff Lemire for Marvel. Oh, I believe I believe that was an announcement, if I'm not mistaken. I know Donny Cates is taking over. I think that's the artist who's going to be working with him. So, um, yeah, that might be good as well because these these guys have a history, right? So yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so God Country, uh, pick it up. Uh, it, it's 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 really 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 good. I I really love this book, and uh, it's one of the be- better endings for a story that I've read in a while as well. Which which really goes a long way with me because if you can tell a great story like this in six issues and be able to walk away from it and have it stand on its own merits, it, it means a lot, and especially in comics with all these ongoing fucking stories and continuity that people are constantly trying to make work yeah so i i you know it's sometimes this is all you need like a good six 12 issue story and uh yeah it's great all right all right cool so our next book uh nightwing the new order yes this is stupid oh is it uh <laughs> i seen kyle higgins was writing this he wrote some nightwing for no no like it's it's uh, like it's a decently written book, but conceptually, oh. it's stupid. Okay. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. I just... The concept I, I is, one day, Nightwing decided superpowers were a bad thing, so he destroyed them all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the book starts out with a big fucking... Like, with Nightwing holding some kind of device in, uh, in like, the middle of some fucking pile of rubble. And then as he's walking away, Superman says, why did you do this? And Nightwing's like, because it needed to be done. As he walks away, you just see a fucking litany of, like fucked up superheroes on the ground then it cuts to years later where nightwing is now the head of the crusaders a group of uh, like law enforcement officers who specifically hunt down people who have superpowers in order to force them to take uh, pills to repress superpowers or just throw them in jail in stasis until they find a way to suppress their powers what is this uh, DC Civil War? <laughs> it's, like... it, it's, base, it's basically DC Secret Empire. Oh, Secret Empire, right? Okay. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and so it's, it's, so Nightwing is the cause of all this. Like, yeah, he's yeah, the one like, that like, like the, the fucking first the fucking cover of the first issue is straight up a propaganda poster. So, like, he overthrows the government? Is that no? No, like... he doesn't overthrow the government. He works with the government. The go- the government is like, yeah, straight up, this is okay. The government's like, hey, this is a good idea, and so they gave Nightwing like power uh, as like so, as like part of this law enforcement thing. Hmm. It's so funny. Books like this are coming out right now, given the climate. Yeah, like, and people so, are like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so I understand. And so all the Crusaders uh, wear very streamlined, uh, like Robo Batman suits. Okay. When they're out in the field, except for Nightwing, because you got to show off that face and that ass. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Nightwing has a son. His name is Jake, and he is the character who huh. we who is our point of view character. Okay. Yeah. Like, is like, he narrating? Uh, yeah. Or? Yeah. Well, yeah. While the okay. yeah, while the beginning of the book is all just Nightwing doing his fucking shit, like you know, jumping around, doing fucking quips and stuff, but also being like kind of tyrannical government overlord. Huh. Yeah, it is all it is all 
narrated from Jake's point of view. We have no idea who the mom is because she's out of the fucking picture. Right. But Alfred's still kicking around. Okay. Yeah, apparently Alfred... No Batman? Uh, no, apparently Bruce is dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is an Elseworlds tale, then, in a way. Like, this yes, th- this is straight yeah. up Elseworlds. Yeah. yeah it is okay. a six-issue mini. Huh. I don't know what to think of that. I don't see Nightwing as that guy. Yeah, neither do I. That's the dumbest fucking thing about this. It makes no fucking sense. And the fact that it came from Kyle Higgins, who I thought arguably had written some good Nightwing stuff at the start of the New 52, like, it, he seemed like he got the character. This seems very... Like, I know this is an Elseworlds thing, but... Well, yeah, not not I officially, he, but it is basically an Elseworld tale. Right. Like, yeah, like, I mean, this isn't taking place in, like, in his in his actual book, is what I mean, yeah. So this is like... Yeah, I don't know. That's that's really that's weird. This is like more like in the vein of like a Superman Red Sun type thing. You know what I mean? Like, like which was an Elseworlds thing. But. Yeah, just just at just some point, some point in the character's history, something different happened. Right. And now we are huh. in this whole other fucking universe. I don't see him as being that guy though. Even in like that seems out of character. And it's especially weird because like because uh, like there's a there's a there's a panel near like there's a page near the beginning. It's a two page spread that shows. So so he's chasing Dr. Light through Gotham. And Okay. And when we get to like the end and when we get like the last page of the like the chase where he's like actually putting him in the fucking paddy wagon. It's essentially Gotham for the first like for like a couple blocks that they're on, and all of a sudden it just turns into fucking Neo Gotham from Batman begin from Batman Beyond. Or just these giant okay. towers with weird like circuitry lines all over them and everything and all neon. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, I I do not know what to think of this fucking book. Right. Yeah, no, neither do I from you describing it. I'm yeah, like, it's I kinda, don't know. It's, like, from the outset, it's kind of stupid. Right. But I mainly just want to know. Right. Like, I want to know what the fuck they're planning with this. Yeah, you definitely got me curious. Yeah, which is, which too, is kind of unfortunate because, like, writing wise, it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like like all the narrate stuff from the kid. It, I think that works well. Uh, Nightwing himself is still charmingly written. It's okay. just he's charmingly written as a person imposing some kind of horrible, like fucking discrimination and forced, forced fucking like drug injections on people who have no choice about what they are. Yeah, it's like a. It's, it sounds like it's like a totalitarian. Uh, yeah, it's some Orwellian like, shit. Yeah. Yeah, and huh. there is and there is somebody working against. Oh no! Yeah, sorry, it's Wally West working against him. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here! Yeah, I Are just. You serious? Yeah, I just noticed this. I just, like I fucking read this thing like two times, and I just noticed it now. <laughs> where where like where like they show an image that is where like a so a factory that makes the drugs that you know, suppress powers is was attacked and so they're there investigating they have like you know people in the fucking bunny suits and they have also people they also have these weird fucking like phantasm orbs floating around taking pictures of everything and he, they show him an image that is kind of like half obscured in this weird like in this weird like very vertically oriented panel. That nobody's able that I that I can't fucking understand what it is, and it just says this, and then one person just says this facility was top secret. If Wally West found this site, we get to the end, and it turns out 
maybe the kid's mom was fucking Psylocke. Because it turns out his son Jake has powers, and his powers manifest in this weird butterfly radiating pattern from his eyes. Which looks half like a butterfly and half like a mad forehead giving somebody the finger. <laughs> the art in this isn't great. The art in this is not great. Who's the artist? Uh, Trevor McCarthy, I believe. Oh, okay. He's a, like I think he's like an, a Batman artist from like back in the day, like nineties or two thousands or something like that. I, th- I think, if I'm not mistaken. Or is that the Aquaman guy? I think he was doing Aquaman prior to. I'm not sure. The uh, name seems Trevor McCarthy. Yeah, Trevor McCarthy. Yeah, because the name seems familiar. Yeah, I don't know. This just seems like this would make more like I I could picture it more so if it was Bruce. Instead yeah, exactly. Of, if it was if it was Bruce yeah. doing this, like he fucking built Brother Eye. There is precedent for him to do this, but right. Nightwing. Right. Like a, I don't think he had the know how to do it. Or the or like, I don't think, he, I don't think Nightwing would have like the know how to do it, or like the fucking, I guess the cojones to like actually go through with it, and and then like enforce things after the fact because a lot of the dialogue, like a lot of the narration from it, is the fact that it is like the fact from Jake that his dad doesn't like letting people down, and that's literally all he does. Like there, there's a point where he is sitting down talking to Alfred, and Alfred is very much not on board with what uh, Dick is doing. Mm-hmm. And Alfred is like, hey, and Dick's, Dick's like, hey, man, come on, can't we under, can't you understand why we're doing this? And Alfred just cannot, for the life of him, figure out actually why he's doing it. And then the dialogue, like the narration after that, is like I said before, Dad hated letting people down, but Alfred, to his last day, that one hurt him the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So looks like yeah, he did a bunch of Batman stuff in the two thousands, and then he also. Uh, has worked with Kyle Higgins when they did that. I, I recall reading this. I don't recall him being the artist on it, that Batman Gates of Gotham that he co-wrote with Scott Snyder back in like the start of the new 52. So he's worked with Kyle Higgins before it seems as well as with him on Nightwing, the actual series. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he does have a history of working with him, but yeah, I don't, I don't recall loving his art either. I'm looking at some, some of it right now. Yeah. Like a, yeah, a, lot, lot, like a lot of time the faces, like they don't, feel right or like they're emoting enough and they especially don't feel like they're attached to any of their bodies mm. yeah that's not good <laughs> yeah and like, and, like and, and um, a lot of the reason that like any kind of background stuff works is a lot there's a lot to do with like the coloring and the inking on it and less to do with like unless to do with the actual detail of the penciling itself right yeah, I don't know. It's, it's kind of sounds interesting, but at the same time, it's it's a six issue mini, so yeah, maybe I'll check it out when it concludes. Yeah, that's probably the best idea. It's got you at least interested to check out the next one, though. It sounds like, but yeah, but not so sold do- completely on it, right? So. Yeah, like I'll check out the next one, but I'll probably check out the next issue of the fucking Dark Knight's Metal thing too. Right. So it's not exactly a high <laughs> bar of clearance. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, all right then. So, Nico. Uh, yeah. So, okay. Another book that got huge, huge buzz and praise all over the fucking internet with only one issue out. And some, you know, a fresh new young writer that we barely have ever talked about on this show. 
Tom King. I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm talking about Mr. Miracle, the book. Yes. That if, if you are reading comics and you have not heard about this book, <laughs> when it came out a couple weeks ago, I don't know how. Um, yeah, it was just, it was, it, this, this book just got such fucking big acclaim and praise when it first came out. Um, did you read this? Oh uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So I'm not going to drown Tom King in praise like I usually do, uh, because I've done it enough on this show of how impressed I was, I am of his, uh, work of things he's worked on, uh, the last couple of years. As well as the, for the simple fact, as much uh, as people love this first issue of this book, we really don't see the full picture of what this is. Yet. Oh no, this is so, this feels like it's going to go places. Yeah, like especially it was impressive, especially given yeah, like sorry, the panel, especially given like the panel layout and how the to- and how the story is told, especially like near the end of that issue. This is going to go places. Yeah. So. The big shocker, I guess, is when you open the book, uh, this Mr. Miracle is a Jack Kirby creation, of course, from the New Gods, who actually just celebrated his 100th birthday uh, the other day, and a lot of artists were tweeting out uh, their drawings uh, on Twitter and the internet, Instagram, and all that. Yeah. that oh, also, uh, actually, uh, that just reminded me, yeah. fun thing, um, we got to see the first look at the Wasp costume for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, really? Yeah, Evangeline, oh, yeah, Evangeline Lilly tweeted out a picture of her in the costume uh, for Jack Kirby's 100th birthday. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'll, I'll look that up while uh, we're talking about this. Yeah, yeah, please. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> I mean, if you look at the landscape of Marvel and somewhat DC, but more so Marvel, I would say, but obviously a lot of really cool, interesting characters, the new gods alone and, and DC side of the things that Jack Kirby's created. I mean, he's basically created so many fucking characters that are still around today like he basically created like half of marvel's like <laughs> like yeah. like characters it's crazy like the sometimes the pictures that people were tweeting out of of jack kirby creations like uh, of the of things that they drew okay yeah yeah looks all right yeah i don't mind i don't mind the look of that that's pretty awesome that she did that though yeah I'll, um, I'll, I'll, i'm really looking forward to see it with like the helmet and the wings out yeah I did. I did. I did enjoy the first movie, so I'm looking forward to that. So that should be good. Yeah, it'll, it'll be cool. Fucking seeing her finally getting some actual action in this fucking thing. R- right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, there's so many fucking characters. Even I don't realize that he's created at times. That when people bring it up, I'm like, wow. I'm like, he created him too, and that person. This person, like, it just it just goes on and on and on. Yeah, but, it's insane. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, but the shocking thing is, like, something you may not associate uh, with that character and the fact that Tom King, like, when he likes to add real-life uh, subject matter to his stories, uh, an approach that isn't found much in superhero comics, uh, after the first page of a close-up of him introducing himself, you know, Scott Free, Mr. Miracle there, uh, he you turn the page and you get a double-page spread of him basically bleeding out because he slit his wrists. Uh, which was, you know, kind of shocking to see just because I didn't really expect to, <laughs> the book to go in that direction from jump. Yeah. But um, like yeah, that, that, that's Tom King right there. Right. Right. Uh, you know, and as we talked about with Tom King, I mean, he's very calculated his, the way he breaks down his p- panels. He's a big fan of the nine panel grid, uh, like Alan Moore did that. He does quite a bit in this issue. Yeah. It's not exactly uh, the most I mean, dynamic stuff, but it is good for the very matter of fact storytelling he does. 
Right. And just like and just the the pacing, the pacing and the amount and the and the like that's what I think he does the best is his setups. Um like he he kind of really takes advantage of you get the most out of an issue. Uh a lot of the stuff that he he puts on the page and the way that he kind of he everything's decompressed like storytelling in a way. Um but but yeah, so you basically go into the fact that uh, Scott Free has he tried to pull off the greatest uh, uh, escape ever, trying to escape death by killing himself. And you get the idea that he's, I don't know, like, depressed. Like, you kind of get, like, the fact that he he's he's having issues, like, in his life. You see him hanging out with Barda afterwards. You see Orion show up, who kind of, like, just proceeds to, like, beat the shit out of him. Like, um, uh... What's that? What's the place that Dark Side's from? Apocalypse, uh, New, not New, Apocalypse style. And you know, if you know anything about these characters, I know a little bit about them. Orion was uh, raised by uh, by uh, I think the High Father. Is it High Father or is it is it one of them was raised by High Father and one yeah, of them was raised yeah, Orion by was, Orion was by, raised by High Father. Um, Calabac was raised by Dark Side. Like the, the two of them were originally each other's right. sons. And right. like like but but like Mister Miracle and Big Barda, they are from Apocalypse. Right. Uh, and therefore, like, I, you know, it, it, it seems that, like, I guess that's like an apocalypse type thing or like a way of discipline or something like that. He's he's ex- he basically proceeds in like beating the shit out of uh, Scott. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, and, and, Fucking and, Orion. And, 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 yeah, he's always a dick. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's always a dick, it. but, it, but it's yeah. like especially dickish, like pretending you're the actual son of Darkseid. Right. Like you're not. You're from fucking New Genesis. You have a space scooter. <laughs> you know, which he kind of throws back in his full well, Big Barda does because Big Barda gets up in his face. And oh, yeah. Big Barda, Granny like, teaches discipline, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. Which is great. Um, oh, and God, then I, fucking love Bar- I fucking love Barda. Yeah. I mean, I love these characters. These are great characters. All yeah, of like, 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 like Mr. Miracle and Big Barda have been the married couple that makes the most sense out of any married couple in comics to me. Really? Huh. Yeah, like like like, no. like like out of like out of any of the fucking marriages that happen in all of comics, the one that I'm always like, yeah, that makes that makes the most sense is Big Barda and Mister Miracle. Mm-hmm. Well, they definitely look out for each other, and they know where they come from. Like, yeah, I could I could see if that it, like I get that. Like, if that's what like is part of the reason why. You well, like not them. well, not like, just that, definitely- but like the the fact that like them like the beginning of this, where it's just like fucking Scott sitting on a fucking couch with Barda on his lap. That is. The most natural I've seen any two characters sit like that in a comic. That, that like a mainstream superhero comic. Right. Just just like on top on top of like them like being out there like having the backs and stuff. Also just like them being at home. Like like I, me- I remember in the um I mean like the when when Supergirl came back for the post crisis stuff. Okay. And it was like and it was all like her like dark side trying to like fucking uh it was the it was the basis of the Superman Apocalypse movie. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and just like them going to like suburbia to Big Barda and Mr. Miracle's house. <laughs> and just Big Barda just straight up just telling anybody. It was like, they're like, all right, so we're going to go to Apocalypse. Uh, we just need to bore your shit. And Barda just comes out. Fuck you, assholes. I'm coming. Batman's like, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, they are they are a great couple. No, I, I definitely, uh, I, I see it, right? And it's, it's very evident in this issue as well. Like they, they, and 
like after Orion beats the shit out of him and she basically defends him and calls him an ass and he fucks off into a boom tube. Uh, she, he looks at her and he's like, you know, your eyes, they're, they're not blue. They were blue. They're brown now. And she's like, what are you talking about? They're always brown. And then it kind of sets off this whole thing where it goes into this whole, um, him on a talk show sequence. Uh, and then Mitch Jarrett's who he's worked on with Sheriff of Babylon and he did some Batman fill-in issues like the Catwoman one specifically, um, this is probably the best he's ever looked to. Uh, he does this effect where he gets on the screen of this talk show and he starts rippling the screen like the transmission is all fucked up, like on the television set. Yeah. It, and he just does it so well that to the point, like, like you know what I mean? Like, it, he just did such a good job of picturing that. Like, he even has his face, facial expressions kind of buzzing in and out, like, cause the, cause the wavy lines start happening on the TV screen. Yeah. And he, he proceeds to have this sort of like surreal kind of like, like this weird, um, almost like dreamlike sequence of him on the, um, on this television, uh, television show. And he's basically being interviewed about why he tried to kill himself. And he explains, he's like, Oh, well, you know, I'm a, you know, I, I wanted to do the biggest trick of all escape death. He's like, yeah. And then, you know, and then he like hangs himself like playfully, like almost like jokingly, like with like a gag type of like reflex and his like, you know what I mean? Like in, on his face. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, it's just very, very bizarre stuff. Like just very, like out there like and and then and then it goes into this whole thing where he's talking to um he's walking with uh high father on the beach like like they're just strolling on the beach having a conversation yeah and then it cuts it cuts to him talking to um that guy that looks jack kirby ish i forgot his name um the king yeah yeah but it's almost as if they tried to make him look like i'm sure that's a nod to jack kirby the way they made him look like uh well, did, did, wait didn't jack Kirby create calabac oh yeah i'm sure yeah i'm sure he did so maybe he drew him like that i don't really i'm not familiar with him at all to be honest with yeah i, I don't yeah, I, never, not, I never really got like a jack kirby vibe from calabac i always got dark side with a mane okay i just i i think just the way he was sitting there with a cigar like i've seen pictures with jack kirby with a cigar and just the way that he kind of it may not be the fact that they did a nod towards him, but I just I I thought since I don't know much about that character, I thought maybe they were trying to do that. But yeah, you're probably right. Um, oh, okay, actually. Uh, so I got that. So actually, with the with like the Orion being Dark Side's son, I fucked up. Scott Free was switched with Orion. It wasn't it wasn't Calabac and Orion. Okay. Yeah, Calabac okay. is Dark Side's firstborn. Orion is Darkseid's secondborn. Uh, and Scott Free is the yep. son of High Father. Okay, but yeah, but for whatever reason, he ended up in uh, Darkseid's, uh, like imprisoned by as part by of a diplomatic apocalypse. move to stop the destructive war against the planet Apocalypse. High Father agreed to an exchange of heirs with the galactic tyrant Darkseid. The exchange of heirs guaranteed that neither side would attack the other. Scott traded places with Darkseid's secondborn son, Orion. Okay. I do know that with the new 52, something that did change also is the fact that Darkseid and High, High Father are brothers, which was never the case originally. Uh-huh. But now with the new 52, uh, they are, which I get because there's obviously conflict that's, that's, that starts just from them, the fact that they are brothers. So yeah. I understand why they made that change. Like, yeah. if anything, it's a change that makes um, sense. 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I'm not against that, but I, I know that that was something that they started with New 52 as opposed to what Jack Kirby had because I don't think they were related originally. But, um, but yeah, and then and then it goes to and then you find out that what's his name Calabac? He 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 he's he's been dead, like he died apparently, and he's sitting there having a conversation with him. So like he's really fucking like losing touch with reality, or so you're, you're they want to make you think in this issue, um, which I have a theory on. And then it kind of keeps cutting to the dark side is like, it'll go a couple panels and then it'll be like dark yeah, side. Then, is then there's a, a, sing, there's a single panel of just black text of like black, right. just black box with white text. Dark side is right. So like the whole time you're just having, like you're reading this book, you're having like almost like a mental, very surreal experience reading this issue. And like that dark side is thing was also a, uh, uh, last time I seen that was with Grant Morrison as well. I think that was Final Crisis. I think was a thing as well during that uh, that fucking terrible <laughs> mess of this story. But that whole Dark Side stuff was was I believe involved in in that event as well. And then and then uh, and then basically at the end they are told that they have to go to uh, New Genesis or Apocalypse and they're they're fighting a war against the Dark Side. Uh, but you find out that he might have. He's been told that he has the anti-life equation thing, which yeah. is something that Darkseid is also always like. Whenever I read about Darkseid, like in the past, like that was something he was also always trying to obtain. But yeah, if that is something, it can alter reality. No, is is that what it does? I thought in fifty two, I believe in fifty two, he used it to take control of people. But I think he can also alter reality with like, it. Like, the, like the intellect equation, from what I understand, is a mathematical equation that proves that life has no meaning. Mm-hmm. And Darkseid manipulated the equation uh, to make it so that life has no meaning outside of Darkseid. Mm-hmm. But if I might be mistaken, but I also thought though, if he has, if he's able to to have that wield that power, he is also able to. Which is why I thought this whole issue, and I might be wrong. Was maybe us seeing not just the breakdown of Mister Miracle as a character, but possibly being affected because he may have that anti-life equation, like that he may be altering the reality as we see it, and for him as well. Maybe okay. I'll Google that in, and see. In Jack Kirby's fourth world setting, the anti-life equation is a formula for total control over the minds of sentient beings that is sought by Darkseid, who, for this reason, sends his forces to Earth as he believes part of the equation exists in the subconscious. Various comics have defined the equation in different ways, but a common interpretation is that the equation is a mathematical proof of the futility of living. Okay, but therefore, couldn't he fuck with uh, Scott's head? Uh, yeah, for mind control stuff. Right. Yeah, so, so the, that's the, the equation, I, as written out in the Seven Soldiers of Mr. Mr. Miracle miniseries written by Grant Morrison, the equation is loneliness plus alienation plus fear plus despair plus self-worth divided by mockery, divided by condemnation, divided by mis- misunderstanding times guilt times shame times failure times judgment, N equals Y, where Y equals hope and N equals folly, love equals lies, life equals death, self equals dark side. Huh. How many things do they mention there? Like uh, Like feelings, like... How many total uh, was there? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Okay, no, that, that, my theory is gone then. I was saying <laughs> this is a 12-issue tw- series, this Mr. Miracle. This is almost like people have been uh, saying this is his basically his vision for the DC universe. This is going to be a very human well, emotion. If so I thought maybe he was going to do each issue something like 
each of those things you mentioned was maybe the feeling that he was trying to get across. Maybe because Tom King's like a calculative motherfucker like that to do something like that. In my, yeah, like, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I get so, it. And um, actually, so just going back on things. So up to the so I I included everything, including the stuff after n equals y. Okay. But loneliness, alienation, fear, despair, self worth, mockery, condemnation, misunderstanding, guilt, shame, failure, and judgment. That's twelve things. Ah, wow. I bet you were onto something. I wonder if each issue he's going to subtly use that feeling to kind of set the tone of him in that issue. Maybe. I wonder. That's interesting. I did not know any of that. So that's very interesting. Huh. Anyways, this was brilliant. I mean, like, again, I don't want to give it too much praise other than calling it brilliant. But at the same time, it was great. It was masterfully done. It was a great first issue. I want to know more. I think we're off to, uh, you know, off to a great start. And the fact that it's getting a lot of praise, it is well deserved. But we just don't fully know what is going to happen in this story yet. Like, we don't really know. This isn't enough that they gave you in this first issue to kind of get like a good grasp on everything that's to come or what this series is. But I did enjoy the experience and I did enjoy reading it. And at the end of the issue, they're off to fucking fight uh, apocalypse and uh, him and big Barda who, who gives him the basically, um, cause he's acting like a big, like a big bitch at the end there. He doesn't almost want to go. <laughs> like yeah. so he basically does the stand up and punching type thing that Orion basically did to hit to yeah, him earlier in the fucking- issue. Yeah, grow some balls, you know? Yeah. Like, she's just I'm like, come on. I'm a big part of motherfucker. You're coming yeah. with me. <laughs> um, it sounds like you also liked it, though, Dead Man, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Like this, yeah. I mean, I'm on board. I mean, the whole way. And uh, I'm down for yeah. anything. I'm down for anything, Mr. Miracle and Big Barda. Yeah. Yeah. No, Fucking love uh, those two. Yeah. And and in your and this is not just going to be focused on Mr. Miracle. Tom King has said, like as you can tell in this issue already, you see so many of the other new gods. But apparently, this is going to encompass all of the new gods. This this series. Oh, yeah, like, don't, that, not, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So yeah, then I've seen any goodness back in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So her, Mr. her and the Furies fucking getting work done. I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about this series, though. So oh, just strap not. in, and, and and you know, just to annoy uh, Birdie as well, because I know he lo- <laughs> <laughs> he, he loves Tom King oh so much. Uh, no, I know he likes him. I just give him a hard time because he didn't give him the praise as I did originally with Vision. So it's a yep. ongoing joke yeah. joke now. It's in but, the canon. Uh, yeah, but uh, but yeah, this is a great start, and I can I can see why people would say, oh, this is his vision for. I mean, it's just, that's a style of writing, and I, one has nothing to do with the other, but almost, like, if you want to compare it to a 12 issue story that's very human, uh, human, emotionally driven, sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is. Yeah, this but is, like, but like, a, like, um. And a, and uh, a lesser the, the, known the visual, the visual is more American beauty. This is more psychological. Yeah. And, and, you know, and to be fair, they're both not. I would say A or B list characters, like maybe C list. Yeah, they they are they are lower tier characters, right? So I I think it's a better opportunity. Despite how much I love them, I know that. Yeah, you 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 ask people like you 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 out to like the regular people people ask like, hey, who's Mister Miracle? They ain't gonna know. You ask them who's Big Barda? They ain't gonna know. Right. You ask who Dark Side is? Some of them will know. Yeah. Yeah, out of all of the new gods, he's probably the the other than probably I would say him and then maybe Orion. Orion's probably even more well known than I would say Mister Miracle. Oh man, this is this is gonna fucking. 
I feel shitty for fucking saying this, but I really want them to add Barda and Mr. Miracle into Injustice 2. Because hmm. neither of them are in either Injustice, like even mentioned, but Darkseid's in there. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of wrong because you need to have, I think when you get some of the new gods, you should, uh, although I also don't think you should, I think they're the type of characters that you can sprinkle lightly into stories. You don't need them fucking showing up every fucking, you know what I mean? And, and yeah, yeah, but like, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, like yeah. I'm talking about like, I'm talking about like the Injustice game. Oh yeah, yeah, the, oh, the, yeah. Because they're yeah. not even, they're not even fighters. They're not, they're not they're not playable characters. They're not even in like background stuff. They're not even mentioned. Maybe they'll be downloadable characters eventually. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I want them. I want that to happen. And I feel sick for saying, "Hey, I want DLC." Yeah, that would be cool though. Yeah, like hey, that'd be cool. Yeah, we should totally fucking waste time getting fucking like characters like you know the Red Hood and Sub Zero. You know that beloved DC character, Sub-Zero? Yeah. Everybody loves Sub-Zero. <laughs> Sub-Zero is the bestest. Yeah. But it feels really, sh- really shitty because I'm pretty sure he's in the same pack as Starfire. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so it's like... Fire get, and ice. It's like, get, get the fucking brand new... Get the fucking expansion... The new expansion pack that comes with fucking Starfire, Black Manta, and Sub-Zero. Nice. <laughs> Waste of money. <laughs> oh, also, weird thing. Hellboy is coming to the fucking game. Is he really? Yeah. That's just fucking weird. Yeah, Fighter Pack 2 will have... To... Yeah, Fighter Pack 2 will have Black Manta, Raiden, Raiden from fucking Mortal Kombat, and yeah. Hellboy. Don't get me wrong. I haven't played the second one. I only played the first one. I love Hellboy, and I think that'd be pretty cool to fight with him, but he has no place in that game. That seems odd. No, it does not. <laughs> Yeah, how is that the fact, seems weird. How is the fact that Hellboy is getting into this DC fighting game before the DC comic characters Big Barda and Mr. Miracle? Uh, they, they always seem to try to throw people for a loop in these things. Though. Wasn't Jason a character in one of those games? He, too? He, like, he was in Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat? X. That sort of, yeah, that was weird, too. Like, <laughs> yeah, was like, it, it was kind of weird, but like the, the difference there is that... Uh, like. The Mortal the Mortal Kombat games do have a rich lore of characters to pull up from, but uh, it's they they have a rich history of characters to pull up from, but not all of them are fucking beloved in the style of like Jason is. And Jason like kind of fits into the Mortal Kombat world because it's about fucking super murderers. Mm-hmm. With this, it's about DC comic superheroes. Yeah, that's true. So. At least put in Big Barda. Like, like, yeah, you can make the argument that, like, fucking Scott isn't much of a fighter. He's an escape artist. So, so like, yeah. but at least bring in Big Barda. Barda's a brawler, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she sure is. She sure is. She makes yeah. the most sense to be in a fighting game, and she has not been in any of them. Fuck, have, have, have her character power be Mr. Miracle. Just you fucking hit circle and then Mr. Miracle shows up and then like depending on the button combination you put when you hit that, you do a fucking like boom tube teleport behind the enemy. That would be pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, the the, the character power is a teleport. Oh no, it's a counter. It's a counter teleport. 
And then, you know, Mr. Miracle could be this one of those things where if you if someone, like, traps you in something, like, he comes and just basically, like, untraps you from it or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's, like, it's, 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 a, it's a counter. Like, you're getting fucking counter. Com- yeah. You're, you're getting yeah. fucking comboed and you don't have any fucking, yeah. like, meter to do any kind of, like, fucking uh, combo breaker. And then just immediately, it's like, you fucking, oh, God, circle. And then Mr. Miracle just pops up like, hey, what's up, baby? And then just fucking <laughs> escapes you out of that combo. Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I, I would like that. <laughs> totally that'd be great yeah yeah don't hold your breath though folks i don't oh, think fuck that's no. <laughs> yeah so yes yeah, yeah. mr miracle check it out if you have not because as much as i would like to say i think this would read better in a chunk if you were to wait for the trade this is going to be one of those books that people are going to constantly be talking about so yeah. if you want to be caught up with the conversation definitely read it because i think it's one of those things where it, when it's all said and done, it's worth double dipping if it ends as good as something like the vision did for him. Like that's something that you're gonna want to have on your shelf when it's all said and done. But yeah, uh, but yeah, like I said, one issue in. So who's to say it's gonna continue at this level of? Uh, I, I I'm pretty confident though, and Tom King at this point, and and, and Mitch Jarrods, who's he's worked with. So I'm, you know, this is something I think whether or not it's it goes the way I think it will. Uh, I think I'm going to, at the end of the day, I'll end up enjoying it. So, yeah. 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 It's a pretty good Mr. Miracle. It's something interesting. Uh, like I said, from one of the newer voices. And, you know, it's, that's always better than the, the usual fucking superhero books in day in and day out that you're going to be reading. So, yeah. 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 All right then. Yeah. So, moving to my next book Justice League. I didn't know you were still reading this. I only started this reading is... it. I only started reading it again because of the really stupid children's story arc. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I wanted to see how it bad it went. <laughs> oh, is this the thing that? Bur- yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys were talking about this, Birdie and you, one day. That's right. Is Brian Hitch still writing this? Yes, he is. <laughs> All right, please proceed. <laughs> All right. So, uh, in the future, after a big old fuck off war between super people, where. Everybody got dead. Uh, a character by the name of Sovereign showed up and took over the world. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he took over the world. Um, anybody who survived was, like, killed off. Uh, the only surviving superhero from the Justice League is... The only surviving character from the Justice League is Aquaman, who is now in league with Sovereign. Huh. Okay. And so all of the and so all the Justice League kids went back in time to go meet their parents, which is good for some, not so great for others. Because remember that New Fifty Two thing where anytime the Amazons gave birth to a boy, they just threw him away. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Took yeah, a that second. was a that was a Brian Nazarello thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh wow. Huh, so he actually, that's actually quite clever. That he, I will give him that, that he actually incorporated that, because that's something largely forgotten. Like, because, yeah, huh, okay. Yeah, so, so the first issue starts out with them, like, introducing themselves, like, we like we fucking meet the team, the uh, meet the team of super kids. Uh, then this issue is them all getting to know each other. Okay. So, for, so for, uh, so for people who don't um, 
remember the kids when I talked about them before. Uh, there is Cruz, Jenny, and Jason. Uh, the three children of The Flash and Green Lantern Jessica Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is Hunter, the son of Superman and Wonder Woman. Uh, da, 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 da. Look up more names. Uh, there is there is Cube, the son of Cyborg, and someone. That's a stupid fucking name. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, there is Eldoris Curry, the daughter of Arthur and Mara. Okay. And that's about it. Did you mention John? Is John in this? Nope, John is not involved in this. Oh. Uh okay. John John is a part of the history of um Hunter because uh after because after Wonder Woman threw him away, Superman mm-hmm. took him in and tried to raise him, but he had John at the time and John was older. And oh, Damien was okay. involved too, and apparently they were both super dicks to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh the- John John was too? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, according to Hunter's words. Right, so they all super sunned him up. They're just like fucking all in the shit. <laughs> Acting like assholes, yeah, all right. Yeah, so yeah, so according to um Yeah, according to a uh, Hunter, uh John and Damien apparently hated him. And they like like he like he was like, Hey, I wanna join up with the Super Suns thing. And they're like, Fuck you. Okay. Your mom threw you away, you shitbird. Or something. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, so it wasn't good. Yeah, there and was. so uh, there's <laughs> and so there's nothing really... Um, there, there are no kids as part of uh, Simon Baz. He doesn't have kids. His, his thing is that he killed Sinestro. You know, as you do when you're a Green Lantern. Right. And it it is a bit weird. Um, so Jessica Jessica Cruz uh, at the start of this, when she is, when they're saying like, "Hey, yeah, you're our fucking parents," uh, she can't handle it because, like, given her history, uh, she has some she has emotional stability issues. For those who don't know, Jessica Cruz was introduced in Forever Evil, where she became the new Power Ring. Power Ring was the crime syndicate version of yeah. Green Lantern, and instead of the ring finding somebody who can overcome great fear, it finds somebody who is. Infested with great fear. Mm-hmm. And so her whole story arc was her overcoming her fear, getting to be a stronger person with the help of the Flash, who serves like an emotional support for her. And so the two of them get in a relationship and have kids. It's actually kind of nice to see that comes to fruition in, in any kind of way. Because I like those I, two together. Yeah, I was about to say, out of what you guys originally were talking about this, out of all of the fictitious kids that these groups of people were going to have that actually aren't in today's comics now, that sounded the most interesting because, like, I liked where their relationship was set, yeah, right now, currently, like you just said. Yeah, that's that's definitely – that. so that's cool that they actually explored that a little bit and you got to see it. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, obviously the Aquaman Mara thing is – you know, with, it makes sense, yeah. but this Un- fucking understandable. Cube, cube yeah, is, like, cube, yeah. <laughs> cube just is there. Yeah, that just you know, these other ones don't don't feel uh, natural like these other these other ones, right? So yeah, it actually is kind of cool. So um, organic, yeah. So Cruz, uh, the eldest, I guess, she has speed powers. 
Okay. Meanwhile, uh, Jenny and Jason have access to the entire emotional spectrum with no no need of a ring. Because I guess, I guess when Green Lanterns fuck. So she doesn't need to wield a ring at all? In uh, order to- Jenny, Jenny and Jason do not need to wield rings. They can just do it. Huh. Yeah, they apparently have access to the entire spectrum, not just green. Now, have we ever seen any people give birth to, like, that were both Green Lanterns? Uh, did, oh, no. Jade? Or, okay. Uh, I think, yeah, she's the daughter of Alan Scott, I think. Okay. I'm not familiar with her, but okay. Yeah, let, me, yeah. let me just double check that I'm remembering this right. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was the daughter of a Green Lantern. And she didn't, and she had like access to the same powers and stuff. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, Jade is the daughter of Green Lantern, Alan Scott, uh, and Thorn. She's the twin brother of Obsidian. Oh. Okay. Yeah. And so, uh, she has. Oh, right. Yeah. Alan Scott has the Star Heart instead of the power batteries. Hmm. Yeah. So is this good at all or it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, like uh it is let me just double check here. It is Fernando Passerin on art. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Oh. And for the most part it actually works out pretty fine. Uh he's able to do some like cool stuff with the design of the watchtower. Uh really good backgrounds. On a lot okay. of this, uh, some decent uh, facial stuff for like expressions and whatever. But every once in a while, some there's just like a weird dead doll face, right? Or something really creepy, or like the, or like the emotions don't match the face, or the face just looks fucked in some weird way. Like especially, <laughs> there's especially a point where uh, like Jessica kisses the Flash in the cheek, and it's drawn super fucking weird. Right. Because the two of them are standing essentially opposite each other on like near 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 like other ends of the room. And then the next panel which she's kissing him, it's like she just fucking stood up and leaned back because it's that like that thing where like her where like she's kissing him on the cheek, but she's like obviously turning her head back to him with with like her hand on the side of his face. You know what I'm talking about? Like for stuff like that? Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Yeah, so yep. it looks like she stood up so it looks like she so she was like kneeling down with her kids. Uh, they're like um, they're like late teens, early twenties, but she's still, like kneeling down, like, "Hey, yeah, I'm your fucking mom, dude." And then she, and it looks like in the next panel, she just like walks over to Flash, turns her back to him, <laughs> then leans back to do the kiss thing on him. Okay, <laughs> yeah, so maybe some uh, a little bit of already issues there. With but the- yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Hunter is angst. That's all he is. He's just angst, right? Uh. Jenny, Jason, and Cruz seem like they're fun, but maybe will be a bit out of sorts in this. I they're the ones who are, they're the ones who are most interesting to me, but not necessarily the best. Uh, I think the best might be Eldorus. Who's whose kid is that? Uh, Aquaman and Mara. Okay, that's because cool. she is she's basically Mara, right? It's kind of great. Uh, Mara, I fucking love Mara. Yeah. And so having, it's having like a younger her that was raised by her and Arthur is really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Also the fact that, also the fact that people call her Dory. 
Oh really? Okay. <laughs> yeah, and I actually really like her design. Uh, she she has like a she has like a lot like her her suit itself is like the base of it is the like the Mara suit, like the like skin tight green scale design. But on top of that, she also has like a bunch of armor plating attached to it. But, and like she has a she has like a face framing crown. Some other stuff we've seen like Aquaman and other members of like fucking Atlantean royalty wear before. But it's real fucking slapdash. It is like a bunch of fucking metal like stapled together because, you know, obviously doesn't have a crown because the world's on fire. She she looks she looks like a her outfit looks like cobbled together like post-apocalypse royalty, and I really dig that. Yeah, you love your Aquaman. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> I know you do. Yeah, that's that's cool. Uh yeah, Cube is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that is, uh, even by this name and the fact, again, it's Cyborg, I'm sorry, just because, again, I don't think he should be part of the Justice League because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, I like him better as a t- t- Teen Titan. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. It's yeah. unfortunate <laughs> It's unfortunate that Simon doesn't get anything happening with him, this with these kids. Simon Baz? Like, yeah, it's just, oh, you killed yeah. Sinestro. Right. Okay, bye. Yeah. And it's really shitty about Wonder Woman 2. Like, yeah, like like she that like, is really shitty. Like, like when like when Hunter is doing like the thing of like, hey, yeah, you fucking abandoned me because I wasn't born a girl. She is very clearly hurt and actually stays behind. Like, well, everybody else goes off to do whatever, like bonding, family bonding, or whatever. She stays behind to like contemplate whether she, whether or not she would actually do that because mm-hmm. it actually makes her question part of her identity. Because her, her whole thing is like, yeah, I fucking love, I love. That's like her whole thing is truth and love. Mm. So the idea that she was like, oh, it's got a penis, then just punts it off the mascara. I, it's definitely interesting to me that we got a penis. Sorry, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> it's about the mascara. That was good. Sorry, that was a delayed response. Yeah, just, I was just trying Art- to say- Artemis grabs it and just like fucking Heisman. <laughs> That was a delayed response because I started to say something, but that was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, umbilical um, cord out, obviously. <laughs> Never kick umbilical cord uh, in. It fucking goes no, wide. No. I saw he's been sure. I know what's up. Yes. <laughs> oh, um, no, I was going to say it's definitely interesting that they are uh, they're doing these type of stories, though, like with um i i like i don't know if this is i know editorial like it, it wasn't an editorial uh i don't know if it's an editorial mandate that everyone starts doing these relationship slash kid type stories all of a sudden or if this is them not getting involved and in allowing people to finally write these stories and it turns out a lot of these people want to write these stories because i'm just curious because i definitely like the direction of them doing more relationships and kid centric type stories in the dc universe like it's it's something that they 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 clearly stay away from in comics superhero comics constantly yeah but, but, like, but like stuff it. like um but stuff like batman and superman right th- they are starting that from kids so we get so we get to watch like these kids grow mm-hmm. this is we are dropped in with these kids and because yeah. they're not kids they are only kids in the sense that they are the children of the characters we've been following right yeah, no, I know what you mean. I just, I just meant like th- these are different types of stories that I don't think the, that they we've seen in a while from DC. Like, yeah, that, that's true. Like this, yeah, like, like like Super Sons would not exist in DC of like 2010. Right. Like I know that this is uh, uh, 
this this in particular what you're talking about isn't as organic as some of these other things but like you know like we've mentioned it before on the show like the whole nightwing relationship and like you know get the whole batman oh, it Catwoman sucks so much thing. what they're doing with that it sucks so much what yeah. they're doing with that right now yeah it does but i Sean like her. was so good uh, yeah and you know there's the whole batman catwoman thing and then there's the whole um the uh the fucking Super Sons thing, and yeah, the John and the, and the Superman, like I like, yeah, I like I like all that stuff. I like it quite a bit actually, and it's not fucking stupid like the the Superman Wonder Woman thing. From yeah, that, that, that is that is retarded. That is the dumbest fucking thing. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I mean, like, even like, the, this, whole, this story, the Batman the, Catwoman thing wasn't insulting like that was. Like, no, I like, was like, okay, yeah, like like, like, <laughs> like the New Fifty Two introduced that. Then that was quickly fucking quashed by literally everybody outside of Jeff Johns. Right. And then and then it got then fucking like, hey, that's your man. He's fucking dead. There is no feelings between these two. And then this book is like, hey, guess what? Fuck you. Like this whole thing would have been way more interesting if this was a future version of John. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Or failing that a second kid of fucking like Clark Kent and Lois Lane or fuck that. If you want to have like the Wonder Woman angle to it, fucking have it be the son of. Like Wonder Woman and Steve Trevor. Yeah. Like that that is that yeah. is a that is a relationship that is heavy right. in, yeah. in in her lore. And so having yeah. that and so having like that character, if, if you want to have like the oh Wonder Woman abandoned this child, and then having that and then having that like lead into her character arc for this arc that they're doing. Right. They still could have done that. And would it would have made, made more sense than, oh yeah, so while Lo- while Clark and Lois were still together, you two fucked. Yeah, and then and then like one and then like nine months later, I popped out, and you were like, "Oh, it's got a cocktail wiener," and then just fucking underhand fucking like softball pitch it to fucking Kansas. <laughs> with you and fucking pitching children, <laughs> because that's all I imagine. I know that they really just fucking put him in a basket and send him to Hephaestus, but I just love the image of like, I love the image of just like Artemis wa- like the baby pops out and Artemis walks up with like fucking shoulder pads on, just like, don't worry, I got this. <laughs> Orion just comes out of nowhere and fucking <laughs> runs him over. No, d- no, just, no, just like the baby. Boom they, they tubes the ba- it. No, they put the baby in like one of those like, uh, like you know, field goal like kickstand things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then she just like point, just points off into the distance and just runs up and boom. And the baby just goes. And all the animals go like, wow, yeah. Or they, or they put them on one of those things that they use for T-ball and John just walks up. <laughs> 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 That's it into the sun. <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately, his powers were on the fritz that day, so he landed in Kansas. Yeah. And somehow along the way, it got a note attached Gets to it saying, raised. hey, this is your kid. <laughs> I'm not paying child support. Yeah, you could just put the Wonder Woman symbol on just, it. Just imagine an Amazon paying child support. Just instead of getting a check, you just get like a fucking box in the mail full of like ancient Roman artifacts you have to sell to museums. It's like, yeah, I got this in the mail. What's it fucking worth, dude? It's like, I don't know, like five grand. I'll take it. You become the world's like foremost archaeologist for recovering ancient Greek artifacts. It's like, hey, yeah, the, this Greek artifact you found is a laser beam. Like, yeah, I don't know, dude. Greeks were into weird shit. Peace. <laughs> Yeah, that was. A- <laughs> I do like the idea of all this. This kicking the baby, <laughs> like South Park style. Yeah, don't kick the baby. <laughs> oh man, 
I just like how you fucking circled around back to that same narrative. Like of course twice. I did. I, but at least you changed it up. You changed up the way they were getting booted, the sport that you were involved in. <laughs> that yeah. was well done. Yeah, well bring her out again. Well fucking get the T up there. She pulls out a fucking nine iron. <laughs> it's like, it hits it. It's like, oh, a rough slice because of the wind. <laughs> and that's going to land in the rough of Kansas, no less. <laughs> I'll pull a blade from her. She'll probably have to scratch that. Yeah. Up next, Box getting <laughs> her cube. Sorry, Box. <laughs> Whatever struck his stupid name. <laughs> He's the Box Ghost. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Comics are dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, this sounds wonderfully dumb. It sounds like you actually did enjoy it for the most part, this Brian Hitch. Uh, I enjoyed aspects uh, of it. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the storyline itself, like, like the, the actual storyline, like, progressing the story is Batman is in his cave examining something, and then future evil Aquaman knocks him the fuck out and steals his shit. Yeah. Because Aquaman is the only surviving superhero, and he is working for Sovereign. Meanwhile, in the, meanwhile, in the comics as it is... This is the dumbest fucking thing because it references stuff that is in continuity with other books, but the book, but this book itself isn't in continuity with anything. Yeah, right. Yeah. Again, this is like a almost like an Elseworlds type story of sorts. Yeah, it's an Elseworlds story that is that is telling the main canon story of Aquaman because Aquaman That's isn't right. there. Aquaman is currently stuck in the fucking weird jaws of Atlantis, hanging out, hanging out with the fucking like, hanging out with dolphin. See, this seems weird that they're basically letting Brian Hitch do whatever the fuck he wants over on this title. Like, that's only something that they grant to people like Morrison. You know what I mean? Like, things, yeah. Like, it, it almost seems like they're just like, yeah, Brian, don't worry about it. Like, yeah, <laughs> who the fuck is Brian want. Hitch? <laughs> I, don't think I don't think I've heard of him before this book. Are you serious? Oh, he's... Uh, he was more of a he was a, a very well uh known and received like artist who I guess cut his teeth on uh back in the two thousands he was more well known and liked. Uh he did um the Ultimates with uh Mark Millar. Okay. And yeah, and he also did the Authority, I think, with Warren Ellis. If not I think it was the authority that he did with him, yeah. Okay. Uh, oh, he, yeah. oh he was the artist so, then. Yeah, he wasn't a writer. No, no, Brian Brian Hitch is uh, is mostly an artist. Like this is like one of his first writing gigs, as far as I know. Okay, yeah. well, you see, you see what I mean then. Like I, yeah, like, oh yeah, absolutely. Like, this dude, he could be a fucking great artist. I don't know. He's okay, but but then but then like saying, like, the saying like, hey, art person, write right. our mainline book and do whatever the fuck you want with it. Go nuts, dog. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm surprised because I think he was writing it before Rebirth. Like he was the Oh no no that no, was no, Jeff Johns no, all the time. He he got on no, no, because no. of Rebirth. Right 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 right. No, I'm just surprised that he had this many issues in. I didn't think that was gonna last long. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be great for him to fucking go in the. It'll be great for him to be going through like a very big storyline that have him be fired from the book immediately. <laughs> yeah, it was like, so. oh, you want to actually for real? He's finalized the relationship between Flash and Jessica Cruz. Well, uh, you're fired now. Yeah, I don't, I don't read any of. Hey, how's the Flash books. be a vampire now? Oh, man. I'm sorry. I gotta go to the bathroom again. God damn it. All right. Want me to just take over my last pick here? Uh, yeah, go ahead, dude. All right. <laughs> I think we've exhausted that conversation. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we're talking about X-Men. Uh, so this past week, all the main new, I guess, 
at least the three first uh, launched X-Men titles that Marvel has been bringing out the last few months. Uh, the first volumes of the trade paperbacks uh, came out. Uh, I was really down on the whole last X-Men relaunch of books. I did not like any of them for the most part. The one that I thought was okay was Jeff Lemire's Extraordinary X-Men for the first little bit, but then I dropped off of that. Didn't love it. All new X-Men with Dennis Hopeless, another writer who I usually enjoy. Again, it was okay, some of it. Dropped off, it didn't love it. And I didn't read anything else. I think the only other book from that period of time that launched out of X-Men books that I enjoyed was the all-new Wolverine book, which uh, with Laura Kenny uh, as Wolverine and uh, Tom Taylor writing it. So that's still been good. I've been continued with that. But other than that, actual X-Men team titles did not enjoy any of the last launches during this whole fucking inhuman bullshit that happened. That's because they all I garbage. Had... Yeah, they were. No, I mainly they were, and I know even, that... Even that one that killed that one artist's career. Oh, well, that's what I'm quickly going to mention here. <laughs> that's X-Men Gold, which was the... Uh, one of the three trade paperbacks came out this past week for Marvel, and yeah, it was not that good. <laughs> I picked it up. I... Mark Guggenheim was writing it, and yeah, that artist drew half of this trade, three issues worth. Go on. Sorry, what were you going to say? I especially hate this, because it just shows how fucking entitled the X-Men are. You know what it was? It was basically them saying to everybody, hey, I know everyone hated on the recent X-Men stuff. Well, we're giving you what you want. And guess what? That's not always good, because they're basically rehashing every fucking classic good moment or like a like a conveyor belt of fucking <laughs> like x-men moments in this fucking first trade that i read <laughs> it was not good like the team consists of old man logan uh nightcrawler kitty pride is the leader of this team storm uh, okay so uh, just so i'm 100 yeah. percent certain yeah this is the book where where the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning got dropped in the middle of Central Park. The X-Men yes, just said, yes. this is ours now, and then were surprised when they were told by the city they had to pay rent. Yes. Yep. That's not good. Th- that right there is the moment that I decided to fuck this book. Yeah. Because, like, that is... Like, you talk about fucking privilege and entitlement. Like, that is the, ex- the fucking prime example of fucking entitlement. Like these, like, these motherfuckers, they drop their school in the middle of fucking public ground and then just assume yeah. everyone would be cool with saying, "Yes, this is ours now." Yeah, yeah. And then he, and then the guy comes over and he's like, "Well, this is Central Park," and he hands like Kitty a fucking bill, and she's like, "This is eighteen million dollars for six months." And he's like, "Yeah, that's correct." Yeah, and yeah, she's totally. like, and then it's just like two panels of her like bugging out, like her eyes are just. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, like that makes perfect sense." Like, <laughs> wait, her her reaction or the or the amount. <laughs> the amount. <laughs> yeah, like fucking, like you have a fucking like commercial, like private school in the yeah. middle of Central Goddamn Park. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, this is very, it just, yeah, it, it just like, it wasn't that great. It's, this is the super, there's always different tones of X-Men books. This is basically, I'll tell you what this, what X-Men Gold, this first volume was, consi- consisted of the first six issues that I read. This was basically X-Men, uh, super serious toned X-Men book that's basically rehashing the good old Claremont days, but not as well. So not very good in my opinion. And it's, 
yeah. This is for the super serious fucking X-Men fan. There was, like, no fun to be had in this issue, in, the, in any of these issues. And, again, it's all about the mutants, hate people hating mutants, and that's the same old fucking pill, so. Yeah, yeah like, was, I, know, I, know that, not, I know that's the part, I know that's, like, the, like, part and parcel it, with the X-Men, but. Sure, sure. There's a way of fresh. handling it, though. Exactly. There's a way, I don't get to that. There's a way of handling it. This was not it. Yeah, yeah, uh, you have to and, revitalize the hatred. And 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 this first volume, aptly named, is called "Back to Basics of X Men Gold." <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 and it really was. It was just. It just wasn't. I didn't find it overall uh, very interesting. Anyways, moving on. I'm just like I said. I'm just going to quickly mention these other two trades. Uh, the first one's Weapon X. Uh, sorry, second one's Weapon X. Uh, this is your whole Weapon X team. You got Domino, uh, Old Man Logan, Sabretooth, fucking... Everybody's um, favorite character, Lady Deathstrike. Yeah, Lady Deathstrike, Warpath. So, admittingly, you know, I, I, I like I like all these characters, but this first trade of the, consists of the four issues and a, and a, 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 a tie-in... Uh, the Hulk issue, also written by Greg Pak at the at this time the uh, the new Fre- Amadeus Cho Hulk, and he's also writing this Weapon X uh, book. I like Greg Pak's work. Uh, the artist he chose to fucking launch this book with, with though unfortunately Greg Land, I'm not a fan of, <laughs> um, and so therefore I I didn't love the art. Uh, I like these characters, but I, it's basically the old. There's somebody out there who turns out to be Striker, uh, you know, spoilers, who is basically trying to get their DNA to create machines that are made out of their Weapon X, uh, you know, abilities to basically take down these other members of the Weapon X program. It's been done a thousand fucking times, stories like this with these yeah. Weapon X people. So it's it's you're treading, again, familiar ground. I wouldn't say I dislike this as much as X-Men Gold, only because, like I said, if you have a vested interest in these characters... It'll keep you going. At least it did for me. I don't know if I'm going to continue reading this, though, because at the end of the day, this wasn't that great either. Just because, like I said, it's been done a thousand times and it's with, you know, and it's with Greg Land, unless they change the artist to someone I really, really fucking like for this next arc, I'll probably end up dropping this as well, too, because the characters aren't enough to keep me going. So, yeah, Weapon X Volume 1, also not great. Now, the book I did enjoy that just came out with along with these other two this past week, X-Men Blue. Uh, written by Cullen Bunn, somebody that, uh, writes a thousand fucking books like we've talked about on this show before, but, uh, quantity doesn't always equal quality. We've pointed out that not every book that Cullen Bunn does is great. We've talked about some ones we didn't love on this show before. This X-Men Blue, though, he's tapping into something. If you're an X-Men fan, I really, actually, really, really, really enjoy it. Uh, he is bringing old, uh, familiar characters back and also doing things with stuff that is well-known from the X-Men's past, but he is doing it in a way much different from when Mark Guggenheim was doing an X-Men Gold, where he's actually revitalizing those these things for finding new angles to involve all, all these characters' storylines and actually like like bring back old characters for reasons where it's not it doesn't it feels much more organic than fucking x-men gold did where it's like hey you got you guys want to see x-men playing a baseball game well here you go like things like that it just it just yeah. felt hey you fucking fuckers ham, ha- ham fisted. fucking take I won't get, bags <laughs> i won't get into specifics about everything just because 
we ran long on time, but um, I really enjoyed this first volume, Maximum Blue. Out of all three of these, this is the only one I can guarantee that I'll be sticking with at this point. Cullen Bunn has a great voice for these characters. It does help that these are the X-Men that came from the past, the new younger versions in the present day that Bendis uh, brought. Uh, I do like this group of characters of the original X-Men. They are working for Magneto, who in Professor X's death is the one that's now leading this team because ba- well sorry Jean Grey is leading the team but he right, is yeah, the one I that- did read this yeah and the art uh is by uh George uh, Molina who's kind of got like almost like a Nick Bradshaw kind of look to it he, his his younger kids actually look like young kids which is something very hard for artists to do i find um they actually it's funny dialogue it's fun it it brings back old characters and things that you like about the x-men but does it in a way where it feels fresh still um and and uh it's just it was a hell of a lot of fun i had a lot of fun reading this uh each each issue kind of introduced some new aspect to the storyline and kind of just layered it uh, the one thing that I didn't love about it that they've brought into the team by the end of this trade is um, the Ultimate Wolverine is now in their universe for some reason. Uh, what's uh, his name? Jimmy uh, Hudson. Yes. I don't have much experience with him on the Ultimate side of things, uh, but I, I didn't necessarily need him to be part of this team. So, I, I you know, I can't say I hated it, but at the same time, I was like, oh, whatever. Like, it was just one of those things that they felt like, hey, we got this character, let's use him somehow, and... Um, but everything else he, he did in this book, I really liked the choices that Cullen Bunn made. And uh, I think that he's really got the voices down for these characters. And he's actually uh, added to and improved some of the things that Bendis actually uh, started in his series with these characters. Mm-hmm. The fact that he... Yeah, the fact that he referenced the fact that Jean Grey was a huge bitch because she just kind of walked around reading people's minds in that Bendis. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, I remember that. Uh, that is... Right. I... She is a prime example of why I will never trust a psychic. Yeah, because she did that a lot during that Bendis run. The every the every fact. every fucking telepath did that. Yeah. Did you ever read and that Spider-Man and the X-Men book? Yes. Just fucking Rachel Gray, <laughs> the second right. Spider-Man did anything she didn't like, she threatened to fucking erase his mind. <laughs> yeah. So so they re- they actually reference that in that and Cullen Bunn actually goes to the um length of actually um explaining that she is trying with people like she actually walks up to somebody at one point and says hey i can help out but i have to read your mind to do this and they're like no 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 no. like they're not comfortable with it she's like oh okay but in her mind she's like oh man like i really wish i could like help this person right now but she was actually keeping her boundaries and not just invading everybody that's not an enemy's mind like and just fucking going everybody everyone's head which you know that was uh, and she even admitted like in this she's like yeah i know i was kind of a bitch before <laughs> like she says something along the lines of that telepathy uh, yeah, tele- yeah telepathy like jean grays and charles xavier's are the only are the only powers that i feel are inherently evil right i mean i like mind raping people so <laughs> yeah straight <laughs> it's not up cool. just straight up yeah yeah um, so yeah, I, uh, I really enjoyed this. I, I think this is probably the only one I've, like I said, I've read so far that, uh, I'll be sticking with and yeah, X-Men Blue, Cullen Bunn. I think he's, uh, he's tapped in the good thing. Good art, uh, fun characters, fun dialogue. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it reminds me of the th- reason why I like the X-Men, which is, it's been a while since I can say that because there's been a lot of shit X-Men series lately. So yeah. So yeah. Is, so, yeah. Is it weird to be like to be like super down on the team that has like Wolverine and Kitty Pride in them, but be super into the team that has Cyclops. 
yeah, I really don't like Cyclops, but I've liked the young Cyclops ever since Bendis brought him back because he had that series that... Oh, yeah, um, no, yeah it's really cool. Like, Cyclops yeah. is a shit-ass, and Bendis keeps I, writing him yeah. as a shit-ass, but I feel like he was only writing him so that young him could see what a shit-ass he becomes and course-correct before it's too late. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say, in doing so, I've enjoyed this version of Cyclops more than I ever liked Cyclops. Because oh, yeah, because this Cyclops they, is interesting. Like, yeah, he's still a fucking square. Yeah. He's, and, he's, still, and, he's still the guy who'll have, like, a fucking cool glass of water with some, like, margarine on toast. Mm-hmm. But he'll do it, like, semi-interestingly, or at least, like, not hateable. He'll not like he won't he won't be like fucking old Cyclops who like dunks the toast with margarine in the water, <laughs> right? And and uh, and Jean Grey is the one leading this team, which is interesting. I think uh, because I think uh, it's interesting having her lead the team. Uh, he's not all gaga over her. They're actually not together at this time. Yeah, so, what, whatever. Like, it's uh, do they ever like bring up again the fact that uh, Jean Grey and Beast were a thing for a hot minute? Yep. You could still tell that he likes her in this, but they're just keeping it like friends uh, territory at this also, point. Also, like, where's Evan? I don't know. I know. I he know. Was, last time we saw him, he was with them. You're talking about the kid Apocalypse, right? Yeah, Genesis. Yeah, Genesis. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't call him Apocalypse, motherfucker. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. He was. He yeah. He had to separate those two. Him I don't Uncle, know. Him and Uncle Custer raised him right, man. <laughs> He actually, I think, was in Lemire's Extraordinary X-Men, but like I said, I dropped off that book, so I didn't, uh, I don't know where that went, but uh, I know that I think the storyline was leading, because there was that whole Apocalypse Wars thing. I know he was a part of that. I miss Evan. So I, uh, yeah, same. I miss I Deadpool that, and Evan. Well, that that was that was a really sweet, uh, that was the last time I enjoyed the X-Men books, was Wolverine and the X-Men. They had that Spider-Man and the X-Men. Like, that was the last time I enjoyed books that were X-Men were in was uh, during that period of time with uh, him, Uncanny X-Force, Roman Mender, Jason Aaron, everything he was doing. Yeah. Uh, ever since then, I've, I haven't loved uh, wholeheartedly. Like, I've, I keep trying the series, <laughs> hoping that something will click. But uh, this is the first one that I, I can say that I've enjoyed in a while. Hopefully, hopefully uh, Cullen keeps it up because I think he is a good writer. And uh, I think that this is one of the books that he is doing that of the 50 fucking books he writes currently that is good. So, um, and, and, you know, Magneto, actually them listening to Magneto, but not actually trusting Magneto, but Magneto telling them for once. Hey, guess what? Charles is dead. I actually am concerned now about the human race with all this inhuman shit that went down. <laughs> I want to save you guys. Like, I want things that like us to work with humans. You know, that whole that again, you know, not everyone might love that, but I think it's a it's a good relationship right now. Like they don't trust him, but they're working with him. But, you know, that old X-Men fucking soap opera type shit. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so it's good. I like it a lot. So, yeah. All right. Then. Cool. Yeah. So we're on my last book, Eternal Empire. Yes. So, so I talked about this a bit with Birdie before. Oh, OK. And. I dig this book. It's from uh, Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn, the creative team behind Alex plus Ada. Yes. Another book I, like I really dug. Book. Yeah. And yeah, for those who don't know, uh, it is set on a alternate planet where a race of people, like a like a country has like expanded out and taken over various countries, and it's focusing on two separate characters. Uh, for the first few issues, anyway. Uh, yeah, so let me just look at their names. So I am... Fully sure about this. Uh, 
So I know one of the characters' name. Okay, yeah. So it is a uh, Ryan and Tear. Okay. Yeah, both of them are from different countries. Uh, one of them, uh, Tear, is from a like I think a more northern, uh, cold climate. Because uh, when when it starts out, she is a slave working in like um, some weird like potato field. Yeah. But she is all in like parkas and shit. And then meanwhile, uh, Ryan is working in Egypt, but like okay. fantasy Egypt. Okay. And so this empire is a race of people who have um like red skin and tails. And they took over and are essentially forcing everybody like subjugating these people in order to join the eternal empire, which is that, which is an empire of their country uh, ruled over by somebody who claims to be an immortal queen. Uh, then one day, uh, these two people, Ryan and Tear, they begin having visions seeing through each other's eyes. So both of them individually escape their respective camps and go to meet up with each other. And once they do, their hands burst into flames. Because it turns out when they're together, they can generate fire from their hands and turn them into fire swords. Huh. Yes, yeah, so the two of them begin um, making their way to a separate empire, a separate country that has yet to be taken over by this empire. Uh, in hopes of finding sanctuary there. Along uh, In this fourth issue, it's mostly just them on the road. Like them kind of hanging out, uh, getting to know each other a bit more, kind of discussing philosophy. Uh, in this world, there are three suns. And many people believe the suns are gods. Uh, Tear is one of those people. Ryan does not believe they're gods. He is an atheist. There doesn't seem to be any like um, friction between the two of them because of this. Like, uh, like when they bring it up, uh, she like Tara's just kind of talking about the sons and stuff, and then Ryan just kind of very casually interjects, like like interjects. It doesn't interrupt. Just kind of like goes into saying, talking about like, yeah, I don't really believe they're gods or anything, and like, so what do you believe? It's like I believe in what I can see. And then later they find like this fucking mass grave, and she prays to the sons, and Ryan does nothing. He just kind of like stands there looking sad about this fucking mass grave they came upon. Right. Yeah, and you know, nothing really happens to this issue. They just kind of walk around, talk, hang out, try and fail to catch a rabbit. Mm-hmm. That's basically the issue. How's, how how's the series been overall? Overall, though, I know you like overall. Like I'm enjoying it. I'm finding it interesting. Well, like I'm liking the uh, interaction between these two characters. Um, mm-hmm. I like the world. Okay. Like there hasn't cool. been a, there hasn't been a whole lot of like world building yet, but it does feel like a real place. Like they do have a full map. They have like a they have like a day night cycle that affects like the position of the suns in the sky. Mm-hmm. They have their own religion. They have their own swears and like um, like expletives and stuff that makes sense for what we've learned of their world so far. Like like um like when they come across a like the mass grave, uh, Ryan says "Suns, damn it," which. Right. Which, like, yeah, it does sound a bit awkward, but it's their world, that, and they, the they're like, God. religion revolves around yeah. sons. Right. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that, uh, that other book that we fucking read where they say jobs, damn it. Like, yeah, uh, Dave. Dave, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and... and the, uh, art, the art's the usual Luna Brother art. Yeah, the, 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 art's, yeah. the art is Jonathan Luna art. It is. If you, if, you right. read, if you read Alex and Ada, you know what this looks like. Yeah. Which is a bit okay. of a detriment. Like it worked in like John Jonathan Luna's art style is very flat. I had someone one time tell me that they don't like his art because of how big the eyes are on everybody, which like, I never considered, but I definitely understand 
Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, I'm like, I don't mind it, uh-huh. but I don't, you know. Yeah, like, I, I, like, you know. I, I like his art, and I think it worked a lot better in Alex and Ada because that was okay. a more grounded story. Right. It sounds very much more fantastical. Like, it's, yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. And so, and so, like, having the people with the dragon tails and having the flame swords, that should look fantastical, but it just looks very flat and kind of mundane. Mm. Okay. Which is really unfortunate. Yeah. And going forward, it seems like the thing they're going to next is going to be another person who can, who has the same kind of like see through their eyes and flame power kind of thing. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, because in this issue, because this issue, they share a vision of somebody else who is just looking at nothing. And it's like, oh, fuck. That was like what we, that was like what we did. Fucking, there's another person out there like us. Any sexy time antics going on in this book? No, I know that's not, interesting. No, they're just okay, kind of rolling. I know that that's a theme sometimes in the Luna books as well. I find like uh, you know some type of uh, at least some sort of romance of some sort going on. Yeah, ma- no. maybe maybe they'll okay. maybe they'll go into it. Like like okay. we're only four issues into it, right? But yeah, so far there isn't any kind of there isn't any kind of romantic. Uh, attachment or anything it's just like these people are with each other because they can summon fire swords when they're together <laughs> right yeah well i'm, I'm definitely going to pick up the trade of this then I, you've given me no reason not to just i'm a big fan of the luna brothers work uh either of them i've enjoyed everything i've read by them for whatever reason so yeah yeah nice yeah so uh okay. eternal empire check it out so those are what we're reading then not the news. <laughs> so typically, um, like more recently with the litany of fucking comic book movie news, uh, it's been getting it's been kind of like a uh, more and more like difficult to like parse out. Like, hey, where, where does this go? Where, where, where does this go? So I I made like a decision behind the scenes of just like yeah. So movie news, even if it's comic book movie news, is going to be in the movies podcast. Right. However, something, something kind of big happened with uh, in terms of movie news. So not too long ago, it was announced that um, Ed Screen had been cast as Benjamin Daimyo in the upcoming Hellboy reboot. Oh, yes, I heard about this. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah. So for those who don't know, um, Ben Daimyo is a is a prominent character in the Hellboy mythos, and he is a Japanese-American character. So casting the Austrian English guy as the Japanese American guy, uh, whitewashing came up, and in a in a move I was not expecting, uh, Ed Screen responded to this by stepping down from the role willingly. Didn't see that coming. That's interesting. Yes, when a statement uh, Ed released on Twitter, he said, "Quote." Last week it was announced that I'd be playing Major Ben Daimyo in the upcoming Hellboy reboot. I accepted the role unaware that the character in the original comics was a mixed was of mixed Asian heritage. There has been intense conversation and understandable upset uh, since the announcement, and I must do what I feel is right. It is clear that representing the, this character in a culturally accurate way holds significance for people, and that to neglect this responsibility would continue the, a worrying tendency to obscure ethnic minority stories and voices in the arts. I feel it is important to honor and respect that. Therefore, I have decided to step down so that the role can be cast appropriately. 
representation of ethnic diversity is important, especially to me as I come from a mixed family, as I, as I have a mixed heritage family. It is our responsibility to make moral decisions in difficult times and to give voice to inclusivity. It is my hope that one day these discussions will become less necessary and that we can ha- that we can make equal representation in the arts reality. <laughs> I am sad to leave Hellboy, but this but if this decision be- brings us closer to that day, it is worth it. I hope this I hope it makes a difference. With love and hope, Ed Screen. And the response to this has generally been positive. It was a very classy move. Yeah, very- uh, yeah. Various um like uh, writers and actors and stuff have come out in support of this um mike mcnola creator of hellboy uh said just said just said hey thanks ed hmm. and uh the producers themselves were super down for it uh they were like yeah so when ed came yeah ed came up uh they essentially they, they released a statement themselves i do not have that in front of me but the, the gist of it is ed came up to us and said hey this doesn't seem right and we agreed and, and we agreed and allowed him to step out of the project. Uh, we, we, you know, we now looking to cast a Asian American actor. And yeah, uh, but being the internet, some assholes came along and were questioning why Ed, a non Asian guy, uh, had to step down from playing an Asian character. Meanwhile, another lady, a black lady who is playing a Irish character doesn't have to step down. Well, it was his choice, though. Like, it's... You're right? Uh-huh, yeah. I, 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 yeah, yeah. That, that's the thing. Like, it was his choice, but uh, th- that is the... That is the current argument out there. Mm-hmm. It is just, well, if this guy, well, this guy chose to step down. She should step down, too. Blargle, forgle, orgle. Right. Well, I mean, this is... Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's obviously a part of a much larger argument, but, I, you know, not that I always agree that... Uh, that the spew of hatred that people receive because of the fact that this happens in Hollywood sometimes like like I like with the whole Doctor Strange thing I didn't think that was a huge thing but everyone made a huge deal out of it but the fact that he did it and he made that you know that statement I think publicly uh, that he feels that way I think that was a very classy move and if that's how he feels good for him like you know what I mean like that 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 he's actually changing that whole direction that they they were even thinking of going by casting now someone who's Asian like that's awesome yeah so uh the yeah so so the other actress um I just pulled the name Uh, it is Sasha Lane playing Alice Monaghan um yeah Monaghan who from what I've heard is a character who started out as a redheaded a redheaded lady from 1950s Ireland. Oh yeah, she's part of BPRD. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yes, yeah, so the cast a black lady to play her. Okay. Which mm. Yeah, but then you know what the thing is then? Then you're going to get the people that are like, "Oh, what a black woman has to step down from playing. Why can't black people play these characters? You're never gonna. <laughs> that's how it goes, yeah, right? It's, like, it's, I, it's yeah. damn if you do, damn if you don't. For a lot of these things, yeah. Honestly, like we've seen it play out how many times like this. Like, and, and the truth of the matter is, sometimes, are you? Would you rather have an actor you think can play the part? Or somebody that fits the, the you know, like social, like are they they call like. Uh, like you know what I mean? Like, does the person have to be Chinese if, if there's someone who's better that can play the character just as well? Like, I you know you can go back and forth all day about this. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think like, but I I like what he did. Like when I read that, I was like, okay, that's really cool that he did that. And yeah, he actually yeah, well, did a yeah, statement yeah, it was a cool it. thing with him. Like he just was like, yeah, yeah. So 
it, it wasn't he wasn't pressured out of it. He wasn't uh, like forced out like because of public outcry like washing and then he was like, "Oh, okay, I need to leave or I'll die." Right. It was he saw and was like, "Oh. I'm going to go now." Yeah. It's a real I mean, classy that's... move, Ed. Yeah, I thought so as well. Yeah. Whether that Hellboy movie will be any good is yet to be seen. Yes. Yeah, I was about to say, that's another conversation. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I didn't even know he was casted in this up to this point. Like, I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, we got, um, yeah, we also, <laughs> another character who is in there is Ian McShane as the professor. Professor Broom? Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one who raises Hellboy. Yeah, uh, directed by Neil, yeah. it'll be directed by Neil Marshall, who I believe did, did the who I believe did the Descent. Okay, which is a very beloved horror movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, he also did Dog Soldiers. Okay, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, it's a movie about you guys talked about it actually. Like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a movie about yeah. a bunch of. British soldiers and Scot- like British and Scottish soldiers uh, fighting alien werewolves. It's <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah. Anywho, moving on to our next piece of news. Uh, so Marvel uh, has confirmed what the next unlimited series that they'll be releasing through Comixology is, and it is Thor versus Hulk. Yeah, the book is called Thor versus Hulk: Champions of the Universe. It'll be written by Jeremy Whitley with art by, and I'm sorry about this, Simone Buonfantino and Altif Hermasia. All right. Oh, this is the digital first comics. Yeah. Not the, okay. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Individual issues will be sold for $2.99 each. Or if you're a Comixology, or if you're a Comixology Unlimited subscriber, they're free. Oh, that's not bad. Yep, uh, they'll be releasing those on September 6th, and they did a little solicitation for it. So, Thor vs. Hulk focuses on two of Earth's mightiest heroes whose skills, endurance, and friendship are put to the test when they're pitted against each other to decide the fate, yeah, to decide who will fight the elder of the universe known as the champion. Whitley said, The mighty Thor and the Incredible Hulk have... Long been two of the strongest, mightiest, and most sought-out heroes of the Marvel Universe, said series writer Jeremy Whitley. Thor is a god, Hulk is a colossus. Now the champion of the universe is looking for an opponent, and Hulk and Thor are the top contenders. So rather than fight them both, the champion's new promoter has set up a series of contests which Hulk and Thor must complete to decide who will face the champion. All right. Like I said, it's coming out September 6th. Sounds stupid. Yeah, I can't say I'm interested, but yeah. Yep. So, moving on. Uh, through solicitations for the upcoming books, it has been, it has been, I guess, confirmed now that Sam Humphreys will be leaving Green Lanterns. I know. I was disappointed to hear that. I, I've i talked about that on this show before. I, I really enjoy that series. But yeah. Anyways. And going with them is artist uh, Scott Goodlewski. Yeah. <clears throat> Have they announced the new writer though yet? Yes, they have. Or? So, so oh, yeah, so those I two, heard that. Yeah, so those two guys will have the last issue on for issue thirty two. Issue thirty three. Tom Seeley will pick. Uh, Tim Seeley will pick up the fucking torch. Okay, I like some of his stuff. He's yeah, he's right Nightwing. Okay, yeah, with uh, right. with art with art duties being taken over by Carlo Barbary and Matt Santarelli. 
Okay. I'm not, that's not uh, me jumping off right away. I'll, I'll try it out. Sure. Yeah, so uh, Sam Humphrey's last issue will be on October 4th on sale, with the Tim Seeley first issue being uh, released October 18th. Okay. Yeah. So, moving on. So, Marvel Legacy is bringing back not brand ich. Oh, really? Yep. That's the spoof comic. That's I, Forbush that. Man. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so it'll be coming out uh, this November as part of Marvel Legacy. Being headed up by everybody's favorite writer, Nick Spencer. Ah. He is funny, though. <laughs> I'll give him that. He No, he's, he's written some funny things. I mean, you know, spare your foes. Let's not forget. Yeah. I know he's not the most well-loved writer like you just joked about, but yeah, <laughs> you know. I I still think he, he has some good work ahead of him and that he's produced, but yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah, so along with Nick Spencer, uh, there will be Chris, Hast- Chris Hastings, um, yeah, Chris Hastings, uh, Jay Fosgit, and more. Okay. Uh, and then art will also be done by Jay Fosgit. Uh, and somebody named uh, Gurihiru. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're <Yeah>. good. <laughs> yeah. Gurihiru. G-U-R-I-H-I-R-U. All right. Uh, with the cover, for the first issue at least, uh, being drawn by David Nakayama. Yeah, the cover issue, uh, which is issue 14, because of, you know, Marvel Legacy numbering. Is right. Man, um Captain America, and Batman dabbing <laughs> with okay. a yeah with a uh, Man uh, with Forbushman's butt flap down, and Gwenpool peering pe- pe- from out of frame saying outrageous. I do like the spoof comics when Marvel does them now and then. I, I do enjoy them making fun of their own characters, so I'll probably check that out. Is this an ongoing though, or is this just uh, like a yeah? I, be- I believe it'll be an ongoing. Uh, okay. it, didn't, it didn't mention anything about it being a limited run series. Okay. Yeah, I'll probably check that out. Actually, I, I do. I do enjoy the spoof comics. That's a yeah. That's a guilty pleasure of mine. Admittedly, I do like when they <laughs> make fun of the characters. So yeah. All right. Yeah. So. Moving on. Uh, so Tom King on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, so Tom King on Twitter announced that he apparently had um, a, he had just pitched a Sergeant Rock story to the people in charge of DC. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. He, uh, he, he wrote on Twitter, um, just pitched a Sergeant Rock story. Somehow found myself in the mood to write about a hero fighting Nazis. <laughs> sure. Yeah, following that, uh, a bunch of artists, including uh, Mitch Garrods, Chris Samney, Patrick Zercher, and uh, Francesco Francavelli, uh, Francavilla, yeah, uh, all threw their hats in the ring as being potential artists for the story. Should that book go to fucking print? Oh fuck! I'd love to see Chris Samney draw that. Yeah, with uh, <laughs> yeah, with uh, Zercher suggesting other artists to collaborate with in the story. Okay, <laughs> people really want this to happen. Yeah, that. But he didn't confirm whether or not it was. Yeah, it's not. It's not up. happening. He just. He just confirmed that he did it. He just confirmed that he pitched it to the higher ups at DC. Okay. So it's still oh, a, maybe. So it's still a matter of waiting for them to actually 
right. say, hey, we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Good on him. He continues to pick it. Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. He's writing fucking Batman. But yeah. <laughs> at least at least he's, it seems other than that, he's he's continuing with characters that aren't as big. Like, you know, like that's that's cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. Moving on. DC has announced their latest updated Hanna-Barbera comic series, The Jetsons. Yeah, I heard about this. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, The Jetsons will be a six-issue miniseries uh, written by Jimmy Palmiotti with art by uh, Pierre Brito, covers by Amanda mm. Connor. So mm. prepare for a stark drop in quality. When, when was the last time that Co- Amanda Connor did, did interiors? interiors? Like, I think it was like the before Watchmen. Yeah, it, it, she did that, and then she, I think she did a couple of pages in one of those Harley issues, like one of the first ones where they had different artists like on every other page. Like oh, man. Zero. I, I wanted to go back to doing interiors. I know. Same. So does everybody, man. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah, she's Her so and Jimmy fucking good. Ha- have done a great job co-writing on that title, Harley, and maybe other things they've done, but uh, yeah. She, she, she is, she is an do. artist, dude. But like you just pointed out, they're like, Amanda Connor uncovers. So you have a fantastic fucking looking cover, and then you open then the, the book. Yeah, like it's not and then, like, uh, like look at look at the art, like the, yeah. like they they released for they released a um like a splash page of the family, and like it's not see. it's not bad. Yeah, I seen I like it's not Amanda just, Connor. Yeah, I'm looking at the Amanda Connor image right now, and. Yeah, and looking at the other image. I mean, even the Flintstones book. As soon as I, I, I Googled that, the Flintstones cover that she did came up, and I was like, oh, man, I love that. <laughs> like, yeah, I was just dude, like, like, she is so yeah. goddamn good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I but agree. But just like, yeah, so. I mean, if Jimmy's the only one writing on this, and she isn't, I don't see why they couldn't have done this together. Like, yeah, totally. It, like, those, yeah. those two are kind of like a comic, those two are like a comic power couple. Yeah. And. Yeah. She needs to get back to art. She's so fucking good. Yeah. No, I agree. I, lo- I love Amanda Connor's work. And, uh, I mean, I'll take what I can get, but at the same time, it's not good enough right now. I need her at least doing a couple issues a year of something. Yeah. At least. At least. Yeah. So, you know. So, uh, the, so, uh, they, they released some descriptions of the characters, uh, just like little, like two or three word descriptions of them. Uh, so it's family man, George Jetson, his wife, Jane, a NASA scientist. Uh, social, their social butterfly daughter, Judy, Elroy, who loves robot tech, Astro, the family pooch, and Rosie the robot, quote, who is now programmed with the consciousness of George's mother. One of those things is not like the others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like family man, George, scientist, yeah. Jane, social butterfly, Judy, robot lover, Elroy, the dog. And yeah. then... The digital ghost of George's dead mom. Yeah. That is weird. That is weird as fuck. That is kind of weird. That wasn't part of the intro of the old cartoon. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> Rosie just kind of showed up. I was like, yeah, I'm here. Fuck you. Meet his dead mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's yeah. A, certainly a twist. But yeah, and a move that will surprise nobody. They... Switch Jane from just being a housewife to a NASA scientist. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess that makes sense. In today's times, sure. yeah, you, 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 can't, you can't have the fucking like Jetsons intro where like George goes like, "Hey, here's some money for you to go do, for you to go do girl things. Like, get your hair did, get all nice." And she just fucking rips his wall away and just jets out of there. You can't really have that today. I uh, yeah, I like Jimmy Palmiotti though, and uh, you know, I've liked some of the books that they've come out with these uh, these Santa Barbara stuff. So yeah, yeah. I'll check it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in the upcoming comic, according to CBR, the Jetsons will grapple with an incoming threat from the darkest corners of the galaxy. Okay. <laughs> so I'm assuming Rose is gonna beat it with a spoon. I guess I don't know. <laughs> like, is fucking Elroy gonna build a death bot to go fight the fucking horrible Shoggoth from beyond the veil of time and space? I have no idea. I can't call these fucking books that they're doing over in that that part of the DC universe anymore. Like these uh, Hanna Barbera books. Yeah, they're so fucking weird. Yeah, like I mean, every, like, like Future every, Quest, like Future Quest is fucking amazing. Scooby Apocalypse yeah. is fucking dog shit. I would say Future Quest is the only the only book that stayed true to maybe that universe you know what i mean like yeah like like it, like, yeah. Like, the, like the flintstones they took their thing and were able to spin it off an interesting direction by making it all about social commentary right well future yeah. quest is just hey you know those characters that you loved here you go yeah like yeah haji is a bit right yeah haji's a bit haji yeah he, they're still keeping his name haji and yeah. the look of him but like yeah. character wise he fucking works like he is a straight up Great character, like a good kid, good guy. Then he had that fucking train wreck of uh, wacky race land, whatever the fuck. Yeah, that was. the Mad yeah. Max. <sighs> God, that was. I mean, I love wacky races, so I was really disappointed by that. I, I don't know. Wacky race, wacky races is your Scooby Doo. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Like, you know how, like, you were so bothered by the Scooby Apocalypse? I, I didn't really... I despise that book. No, I know. No, I know. I didn't I didn't read it. I think I read, like, the first issue. But it didn't bother me to the point that, like, this one does. Yeah. So that, like you said, everyone's got a breaking point. And, and you know, I, and I'm sure people hated Flintstones for that reason, too. But I liked it a lot. But, uh-huh. yeah. But, like, I think Future Quest was the only one that kind of stayed true to that 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 world a little bit you know so yeah anyways yeah so anyway who's, who, yeah final piece of news so zatanna is getting back girled i heard about this <laughs> oh god yes so after coming back into the fray of dc universe rebirth we in her detective comics appearances uh zatanna this is going to be the focus of a three-issue miniseries called Mystic You. Yeah. Which is about Zatanna, Sebastian Faust, son of Felix Faust, Enchantress, new character Pia, Mar- Pia Morales, and Sargon the Sorcerer studying magic at school. Because fuck me. <laughs> You know what annoys me most about this is that they take they're taking um, the magical supernatural group uh, grouping of characters from the DCU. But I went to which fucking I, university. No, I know, but I love I love Jesus. a lot of those characters. I love a lot of these characters. Yeah, Zatanna's great, dude. I know. Zatanna's so fa- fact, fantastic. I Don't know. what 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 is up with this 
fucking obsession comic creators have nowadays of taking like these fucking or taking female characters because it's always female characters. But she doesn't even need to go to school. Doesn't she say? <laughs> she learned magic from her dad. <laughs> yeah, it's Utera. Like what? magic is a fucking chaotic thing that some people just fucking have. You don't need to go to fucking. All right, welcome to divination one hundred and one. Let's figure out what your fucking tea leaves say, jackasses. Oh, it's a wolf. You're fucked. Yeah, this ain't Harry Potter. Harry Potter's been dead for years. <laughs> Fuck this me. Is even- I mean, yeah, I have no comment. <laughs> I, I, I was really annoyed when I read this, just because because at first I was like Zetana series, I was like, ooh, and I was like, she's going back to school. I was like, oh, uh, uh, <laughs> it hurts me. It hurts me that this is a fucking trend that is having to happen now. Yeah, I know. Like, it's it's. You're not allowed to not have young female protagonists be not be in university. <laughs> it is. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's its own genre now. It's insane. It's fucking <laughs> insane. Know. This keeps happening. I know. Like, and it's all Batgirl's fault. The only, I mean. Yeah, I'm not even going to say this is the only good thing because there's nothing good about this, but the only thing I will say is that at least they're keeping it. I think this is the only like a three-issue prestige format yep. thing. Where it, is a three issue, it is a three-issue yeah. thing, 48 pages, six bucks an issue. That's, yeah, I think that's way too much. I understand it's 48 pages, but it's it's similar to the Supergirl one that they just did that I talked about on the show. The Supergirl uh, the coming of age one I talked about, which Joelle Jones are. Yeah, that's that's basically what they're doing, right? I mean, this is the they did say they're going to try to do some more of these smaller prestige type books, but this is not, I think, a good introduction to the direction that they want to go with these books. Yeah, this is yeah. So, you know what? so the book is yeah. being so the book's being written by um, Elisa Quitney with art with art by Mike Norton. Oh, I like Mike Norton. And covers by <laughs> and the and the cover of the first issue at least uh, is done by. Uh, Julian Totino Tedesco. Sorry, I'm about your name. Which is unfortunate because, like, it's a really good cover. Yeah. Like, young Zatanna in her, like, outfit yeah. being, like, full-on stage position. She looks fucking great. That is a great-looking Zatanna. Yeah. It's like oh, some, that's like some fucking Young Justice shit right there. Yeah. And, th- and then behind it, some cunt. <laughs> and I mean the guy in the jacket. Neither of the two ladies. They... I don't really have an opinion about them or the dude in the turban. Just that fucking weird bastard love child of Cyclops and fucking Gambit. Fuck you. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that book. I need to go back and read Zatanna again. Yeah. The Paul Dini uh, book was uh, reprinted about a month or two ago. I read it. Loved it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's back out now. They reprinted it not too long ago. Yeah, and uh, highly recommend it. And wasn't there one that was like a bunch of uh? Yeah, there was one that was a bunch. Uh, was that the series that was the the one that had um like a bunch of? I, I remember. I remember there were a bunch of Zatanna issues that had uh Amanda Connor covers. Yeah, uh, I think it's her. Uh, Adam Hughes did a bunch as well. Uh, uh-huh. in the Paul Dini run. Yeah. Um, 
I think yeah, I Connor did work with her somewhere as well. Yeah, you're right. You're 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 not wrong. Yeah, you're right. I think she did do some uh, some stuff for Zatanna as well. Yeah, I think it's in like uh, the back issues of that series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, oh, yeah definitely definitely check that out. I really enjoyed reading that. Um, it's trade paperback. It's called Zatanna by Paul Dini, and I think he collects the whole series that he did even after he left because I think he only wrote the first like six seven issues but uh the whole series is collected yeah it's really good yeah yeah she's a great character don't let this uh let you know don't don't check this one out folks no take a pass hard hard pass on this she was actually just recently in detective comics and they explored the bruce wayne uh love story of uh of those two characters which is great yeah like like that that's where yeah that's a whole fucking thing with them they like yeah like bruce and fucking zatanna have a huge backstory Yep, they have a history. This isn't the first time that they've appeared in comics together either, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that does it for news, and that does it for this week, then. Yep. Thank you all for that joining us. Fun. Yeah, it was it was nice to have a show, like, even though it did have the anger, and it wasn't just full-on hate by the end. <laughs> it's been yeah, a while since that happened. Yeah, we came back around, even though we were like, ah, it's not going to go. This is kind of book. We're like, hey, you know what? Check out this one. It's much better. And we're like, all right. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. good. <laughs> so, so thank you all yeah. for joining us. We will be back in two weeks' time with an episode of the DeathStoreProds.com comic book podcast. In between now and then, though, we're going to be having our regular run news, maybe reviews. I should, I should really stop saying that. We got bullshit coming out. I don't know. <laughs> Check out the site. Yeah, check it out, <laughs> motherfuckers. Check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash ddfrauds. Yes, please. Till then, I'm dead. I'm Nico. And we will see you guys next time.